So can I show you what I got at Gotham City Comics? Dude, last please. Friday. I've been waiting. You. This is just a few. You, had, you texted me this teaser, and you're just like, I "Can't know. wait to show you." And I'm just like, "Show me." And you're like, "I'm not taking pictures." So, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pimp a comic book store here in Arizona that I know when you lived here, you visited quite frequently. That was my shop. That dude. was your I shop. Didn't go, I didn't really go anywhere else. I went to Samurai maybe once or twice. Okay. If and just to, just to check it out, but uh, Gotham City, man. Like uh, I met PB there a lot. Uh, and we got coffee there a ton. I sat down. I have sat in those couches and read through some Civil War. Yeah, those co- the coffee's gone. They no longer offer coffee. Oh, they no longer offer coffee. It was comics and coffee when I was. Yeah, when I was sofas are gone too. Oh man, well, is it still the same space or did they? Like- no, they're in the same. Dude, they did a nice little redesign in there. I I, I think right. what they were trying to do was cut down on the loafers that were hanging out in there. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, because if you many. go if you go through the back entrance, they got a big old sign that says "Do not walk through this store." Um, you know, like to get to the main street uh, in in Mesa there in downtown Mesa. Hmm. But uh, my son and I went down there last Friday, which would have been to we're recording on what? What's today? The time just today is Friday. Whips by. So this would have been May fifth. Um, picked up a few. Uh, weekly issues which we will dive into later in the show but you know the cool thing about gotham city comics is they've got what's called the bargain bin or the one dollar box and if you're an old school comic book reader like myself you got some tread on miles on the tread you got some gray in the beard i remember when comic (laughs) books were 75 cents You'll remember the dollar bins. And so uh, James was going crazy because they had loose Pokemon cards for like 10 cents each. So he's hanging out over the Pokemon cards. And so, you know, I grabbed a couple weekly issues, you know, Batman 22, Youngblood number one, Secret Empire number one. We'll dive into those guys a little bit here, but a little bit later. But I checked out the um, dollar bin. I'm like, you know, I'm going to dive into this. And these are just a few that I pulled out. I didn't or because I don't have the full stack. But obviously, you guys can't see these on the podcast. But I'm going to show Ryan. Here is Savage Dragon number one. Oh, man. And that's from uh, that's from back back. when. Yeah. This is a first printing. It's in pretty decent shape. You know, we don't price comic books on this show. Not our thing. But um yeah, this is not a, in bad shape though. No, this is a first printing from June 1993. 25 cents for this book. Now, this is the alternate co- uh, cover. Sure. The cover that that you're looking at here was the newsstand edition, not okay. not the comic book store edition. And so because he, back in 1991 there was actually newsstand. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And what's funny Where too, people with this, would go and pick up magazines and newspapers and, and comic books. Those were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those were books. and yeah. magazines and newspapers, just so you guys know, you know, those things at the grocery store that you don't really look at anymore. They're on the <laughs> caps there. They're beside the gum and the mints. Those are called magazines. That's right. And <laughs> yeah. if you went down the magazine aisle, there was a whole little section of comic books. Or if you went into Seven uh, Eleven or Circle K or the Quick Stop or the Get and Go or wherever you went, <laughs> there uh, there was you know a comic book rack. So anyway, you know what was really interesting is uh, yeah. So this is the well, this was the newsstand cover. This wasn't the comic book. 
store yeah. cover. Newsstand, I think, back in the day went for a little bit of a lower price point. But what was really funny about grabbing this, and I saw it, you know, and I've read this book a, a million times, is number one, it was twenty five cents. It was a dollar ninety five in nineteen ninety three when it when it first print. Ryan, there was a time when this book, you would walk into a comic book shop, you know, we talked about image comics way back, you know, I think issue issue three, episode three, whatever, episode yeah. four, something like that. And the speculation market of the 90s and how comics just crashed and, you know, people were scooping up every image number one because they thought it'd be worth millions and millions and millions. Someday. And here we go in the dollar bin. Right? Yeah. This book at one point uh, did on the secondary market, you know, it would hit like 35, 40 bucks. I've seen it as high as 75, 80. Wow. Back in the day, uh, I got it for 25 cents. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got done. These are just a few others. I don't have everything here, but um, these are some first issue runs of original Valiant's Harbinger. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, this is in really great shape with the Alien 3 for Super Nintendo ad on the back, <laughs> which is really great. No, it's a Harbinger. Awesome. Yeah, Harbinger number 19. I got Harbinger 21. This one's in amazing shape. These are all first prints, too. Dude, those look great. We'll need to get some pictures of those and get them posted. Yeah, we'll get them on the Twitter feed. Add on the back of that for uh, WWE. Well, actually, at the time, WWF Royal Rumble for the Super Nintendo. Dude, I loved there was that game and the WCW game. That's right, man. And I think it was the WWF game that had that was the oh yeah that was the Royal Rumble. I played that at a friend's house quite a bit. Harbinger number twenty two. And here's what's really cool about this, dude. You flip this on the back. An ad oh, for yeah. Mortal Monday. Now, if you guys are as old as I am, Mortal Monday. you remember Mortal Monday in September 1993 when Mortal Kombat became available for home consoles on Mortal Monday. Yeah, that's pretty insane. There it is right there. Mortal Monday, September 13th, September thir- yeah, September 1993. 13th. I got my copy of Mortal Kombat that day for the Sega Genesis along with my six button controller. And then this is Harbinger number 23. And uh, all of these are like just in crazy great shape. Oh, check this out. The ad for Super Street Fighter (laughs) 2. Hyper fighting. Um, Oh, the turbo, dude. Yeah, turbo. Yeah, Yeah, that was Street Fighter 2 turbo. Yeah, not hyper fighting. Uh, So yeah, it would just, uh, it was really cool uh, finding these books. Uh, obviously intrinsically no real value to them now like there was back then but you know the pricing with comic books has always been on the secondary market it's always been this subjective thing and you know comic books are only really going to hold a value for whatever someone's going to pay for it i mean that that's really what the value is and so and I picked up a ton of ton of other ones. They're all behind me on my on my bookshelf. But you know, I got the Shadowhawk, you know, first run, numbers one through four, twenty-five cents each. Wildcats number two, twenty-five cents. Um, but a bunch of others. And it was just more of a nostalgia run, really, than anything else. And yeah. It just uh it it was both exciting and sad at the same time <laughs> because it was like, man, just remembering the frenzy for these books. And people wanted to be a part of Image. They wanted to be a part of the original Valiant 
because the Valiant that's uh, in existence today, very different from the original Valiant, different company. Yeah. I mean, the characters are, for the most part, are all there. We've talked about this in the past, save for a handful like Magnus, Turok, Solar. Uh, for the most part, you know, Exo's still there. The Harbin- Harbinger's still there. Bloodshot, Rye. Ninjack, all those guys, Archer and Armstrong, uh, they were all a part of the original Valiant. Uh, but the Valiant that is in in business today, very different from the Valiant back then. And so it was just more of this really cool, you know, nostalgia run. But there's there's also that man, I just remember kind of being swept up in so much of that that speculation and uh, you know having those books on boards and bags and just doing your best to keep them, you know, as mint as you can get them. You know, and fast forward from like 19, uh, circa 91 through about 96 to 2017. Yeah, they're 25 cents each. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was a total nostalgia run. Obviously, don't expect to sell these things at Sotheby's auction for thousands and thousands of dollars (laughs) (laughs) by any means. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, that's a, the bubble that we talked about. I think that was like episode five or something, Image Comics. But yeah. we talked about the boom and we talked about, you know, the oversaturation. And that's kind of what, you know, that's what, I, you know, kind of killed that boom is that uh, you could find the $500 comic at every single nook and cranny shop that was in the United States. And, and no real stable pricing on it. You know, I mean, you, yeah. you could find like, you know, Spawn number one at one store for a hundred and you go to another store, they'd have it for 80. You'd go to another store, they'd have it for 300. It was just just all over the place. It was just all over the place. And and, and you price (laughs) it now. And you know, it's graded because I checked on spawn. Number one graded simply means you had someone officially go through it and then sign this like little slip, right? Saying it meets these certain standards Then you know, if you have one that's graded, and it is mint, which, by the way, there is no such thing as a mint comic book. I mean, yeah, from the moment it comes off that printing press, it's already, <laughs> you know, creased somewhere. I think they, you know, it was going like average was like $80 and then, you know, ungraded or raw was anywhere from like eight. You know, so, yeah, it's just uh it's funny to see how that that market just really and you know I had a really cool conversation with the guy at, at Gotham. I'm not so sure so sure if it was the owner. Be very honest, I, I don't frequent that store enough to really know who's the owner there and and who isn't. Yeah, uh, but uh, the guy that was working there, we had a you know cool little conversation about Image Comics and you know the the bust of the mid '90s and. How many yeah. people just thought they were going to get, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these books and then just end up dumping them back into the reseller market and just having a glut of these books. And now, you know, you're selling them for anywhere from 25 cents to a dollar each. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it never held up the way people wanted it to. Just like uh, a lot of things in the nineties, Thai beanie babies, you know, <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> those also took a dive. Dude, those things Everybody thought everywhere. that that was going to, you know, that was going to be the new collectible there pogs. There, there <laughs> pogs, dude. I had a ton of pogs. I had pogs all over the place. The- I never, never thought that they were going to be collectible though. I always played with them pretty heavily. I never really like. Thought I thought there were were some be the new thing. excuse me I thought there were some that were collectibles like the the slammers oh there were the slammers 
Yeah, you had gold slammers and stuff like that, like heavy metal slammers and stuff. And they were, it was never gold. It was just painted, you know, nickel. Just solid or gold. <laughs> painted <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> solid gold slammers for your pogs. Oh, man. But you tell a, you know, you tell a six year old or, you know, it's a 12 year old at that time, that's a gold slammer. Well, you got a gold one? Like, I mean, you had to, you had to figure out what you wanted to trade, man. Like, you were trading pogs. Yeah, those things were everywhere, man. <laughs> Dude, I loved it, man. They I played were everywhere. them everywhere. I don't. I don't think I knew how to play them. I think we just kind of made up the rules as we went along. But yeah, that's the thing about like pre-internet stuff because you could you'd play it and it was like, well, is this the rule? And you're like, dude, I don't know. Like, can we look it up? No, we yeah. have no resource available to look up rules for this game. There are no rules <laughs> when it comes to pogs. <laughs> I was in my early college years when those really took off. Uh, so you know, I didn't really, I didn't get into it at all. I worked yeah. at a grocery store at the time that sold pogs and so you had a bunch of 12 year old kids like me oh running man. in and dude i sold a ton of those Thanks, yeah <laughs> we had to keep them in this like acrylic case and unlock it and so it was a whole oh, thing God. man <laughs> and, it, and it was always great too because you'd get you know some kid who would come up and kind of look at the pogs and you're just like ugh. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to get the key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had to yeah. had to go get the, shut down your get the key, <laughs> unlock it, and shut down your lane. <laughs> Got to oh, go over there. And you know the kid just taking his sweet time, just trying to figure out like which pack he wants to buy, <laughs> which which one for three dollars he wants to get. <laughs> yeah, great times. <laughs> that's my working re- that's my memory of pogs just standing there like retail oh. in the 90s all right kid let's go <laughs> pick out your pogs i'm done screwing around man and then the worst is like you know they would open it we had to put a sign on there it's like you know all sales final they would open it oh sure because you'd want to open it and like check them out like nah dude you gotta roll the dice brother that's right man well dude james learned a hard lesson today he got some pokemon cards uh he's been on a nice little streak at walgreens he was a nice streak on walmart for a while now it's on walgreens okay he bought a pack today and there was no ex cards in there there was no collectible cards and he was just he was like tripping and it's like dude that's just the way it goes man yeah well because he got spoiled because like the th- the three or four previous ones there was one in there every time so he's just like yeehaw oh yeah man <laughs> and then he gets one today that it's not and he's like well this is no good <laughs> hey that's the that's the that's the that's the game you play man he's like this must have been a bad box I'm like nope there's nothing wrong nope. with the box man <laughs> <laughs> gambling for it's children it's called bad roll buddy gambling with kids i mean that's just it's <laughs> the way it is man it's how it how it was with baseball cards back in the day and they have boxes of man i had boxes of baseball cards and comic book cards comic book cards were like a big thing in the 90s as well too which i never really understood i, I had a I ended up having a ken griffey uh ken griffey jr rookie card and everyone said that that was a rare card, but everyone had the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie. Yeah, that's rare. Yeah, there's only about a bazillion of them. <laughs> like everyone had the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie, but apparently it was super rare. That's right. Everybody had one. Even the kid who didn't buy baseball cards ended up with one somewhere. He like found it. <laughs> it's just on the street. Oh, look what, what I found. This? I don't know. Ken Griffey Jr. rookie. I think it's going to be worth millions. <laughs> Better hang on to that. 
<laughs> yeah, I got one too. Yeah. No, it's not going to be worth millions because we all have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Didn't there, you know, there was the comic book cards. I don't know if you remember those, man. That was it. I didn't. I didn't have any comic. Book oh cards. man, I got suckered into that crap too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that turned into a speculator's market too, and just like you had, you know, all these gimmick covers, um, you know, like glow in the dark, foil, foil embossed, black oh, foil embossed, scratch and sniff, whatever. <laughs> you had these uh, card inserts that would, you know, you know, be like you know, cable. On like this glittery card. Yeah. And they like this little, I think I got some of those. Maybe they came with some of the action figures. I used to get some of the action figures. You know what's hilarious is <clears throat> the local record store I go to, Zia's, still has unopened Shadowhawk trading cards from Image Comics. Wow. From the 90s. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just sitting on a spindle, which is crazy. And I asked the guy behind the counter, I said, how long have you guys had these? And he's like, I don't know forever i'm so, like yeah so forever. what's the date on that i know i was tempted to almost buy a couple packs but then i'm like what am i doing i mean what am i doing <laughs> what am i doing with my life <laughs> it's a nickel you're still like oh, yeah I don't think i'm so. good <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a pack of these image cards if you buy this oh That's man right. dude and image was all over that too you had shadow hot cards of course young yeah. blood cards wildcats i can't remember if if uh there were spawn trading cards i wouldn't be yeah. surprised if there was but yeah man dude they were all on top of it i don't remember dc being so much into it but it was it was definitely a marvel and image thing man they were just all over the comic book trading cards yeah what a stupid thing <laughs> now that i think about it it was really stupid Really yeah, but at stupid. the time, man, it's like when you talk about how, I mean, that's the thing. Like now we consume media very, very differently. So, you you know, now we can do, it's passable stuff like pictures on Twitter of things that are pretty cool, like images of, um, you know, the artist renderings of, of their, of characters like Jim Lee doing a sketch of a Batman, right? Or, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. And right now it's all done through Instagram. It's done through Twitter. Um, and it's distributed that way. And I think in, but in the past we didn't have that, you know what I mean? We didn't have immediate gratification. So you would sit down, a guy would do a sketch and the company would go, cool. How do we get this to people? And it's not longer just snapping a picture, posting it on Instagram and do one more. It's all right. Well, if you're going to do a sketch, let's do an alternate sketch of Batman, put it on a trading card and, or get it, you know, put it on a poster and sell it. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Cause then you just have the art, you know, if you just want to look at the art, not necessarily, yeah. you know, dig into the comic book. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think that's what, that's what I look at those things where you just kind of like the, just, they could market it and sell it then that, you know, now it's like, no, I'm not going to carry around a picture of, of Batman sketch in my wallet, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like in my Velcro wallet, I'm not going <laughs> to open that thing up and pull out a cool sketch of Batman that I bought at, at, you know, at CV or at Walgreens or at Eckert's. Eckert's. I he remembers Eckert's. I do remember Eckert's. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to carry that around with me, you know, but, uh, but now it's, it's a, just a different distribution. It's, and no one's going to buy those really, unless you're a super enthusiast, um, yeah. which a lot of people would, you know, there's a few people out there that would still buy that stuff for, you know, $40, $50 to get a fresh Jim Lee sketch or something. Um, but I tell you that number is, is far less than what the little cards would bring in. 
Well, you know, having those cards, you know, like you say, if you want to look at, you know, some Jim Lee, you know, Wolverine or Psylocke without having to, you know, take your comic out of its board and bag and sully it because <laughs> you're going to be able to retire off of that X-Men number one because it'd be worth gazillions. <laughs> Because your because your uh, economic fortitude as a twelve year old has told you that this is a collector's item. The gazillion trillions that you'll get. <laughs> I'm gonna from be this a book. millionaire. Oh, right. No, dude. Yeah. I tell you, I used to do the same thing though when I was a kid. I used to. Uh, I had I had loads of Batman action figures, um, and I would keep them all above my bed. You know, my bed. Oh, okay. uh, on top of my bed in the in the package. Uh, no, no, no. I took them out of the package okay. and I got, man, all my other friends. I had like two groups of friends. One group of friends took them out of the package and immediately threw them in the mud in the backyard. Of course. Right. They're toys. <laughs> and they played with them. Yeah. Like idiots. <laughs> I, like idiots. I took them out of the package and put them up on my bedroom, you know, my headboard and my desk and stuff like that as a kid. And then I had another group of friends that never took them out of the package because they're totally valuable. The, you know, oh, the sure. one out of one out of 400 that they have at Walmart. They, like, Dude, I got it. I got into that too, valuable. man. Dude, I had like, man, I, I made it a point. Uh, do you remember a magazine called Toy Fair? It's put out by the same company that did Wizard. Remember Wizard? Uh, Wizard Price Guide? Nah. nah. Anyway, Toy Fair would have like a listing of like, you know, toy toy collectible prices. And dude, man, I went on like scavenger hunts to find these different variants. Like I had a Jean Grey in in box from yeah. the original X-Men movie. Uh-huh. That it was it was called the Cleavage Edition. Now, it didn't say that on the box, but that's what it became known as in oh, okay. the collector circuit <laughs> because her her uh, collar was open and she was showing some cleavage up at the top. Right. Well, as you know, some people are, oh, my gosh, the children. Someone save the children. Think of the children. Yeah. What are the, What's going to happen to the children? What's going to happen to them? It wasn't like gonna- Jean Grey was like topless. Okay. It wasn't like topless <laughs> edition have- X-Men. Okay. Excuse me, John. I am not a parent, but that is clear to me that we need to save our young children from looking at that. And then you don't know. All right. I, I know. You know. Despite being a parent, I don't know. I despite don't know. you being a parent and me not, <laughs> I think the rules for the children. You need to you need to protect my child from. Right. So, <laughs> so you're, you're not. So I need to step. <laughs> yeah, in I'm, being, I'm being a horrible parent. So uh, I and this was back in like 2001. And yeah, so I forget who Toy Biz, I think, was the company that, that made those action figures uh, for Marvel okay. at the time. I want to say it was Toy Biz. And so there was only a certain amount of these Jean Greys out there. Someone got all upset over it. Toy Biz pulled them and then reissued the exact same figure. They didn't, you know, remold it or anything, but just with black paint up at the top. Okay. To like mimic a a dark undershirt underneath, but sure. you still saw the top of the bulbous breasts. But yet, <laughs> well, yeah, they weren't flesh toned. Exactly. This country <laughs> has got such a hang up over stuff like that, and so we're not going to politicize that. But I mean, we're okay with like people blowing each other's heads off. But we show a little bit of booby and we all lose it. And so not, sh- not even showing booby. We're showing the idea. Of yeah, I think it's not even real <laughs> boobies. It's not even a real booby. 
So um, it's a plastic doll. So I saw that this was like this huge, you know, variant, and it was going for like sure. you know fifty bucks, dude. I so I made it a point to go out and try to find one, and I found one. I found one yeah. at, at uh, I want to say Toys R Us. Okay, it. You know, kept it in the package. Ended up not being worth jack squat, you know, after about, <laughs> you know, six or seven years because nobody cared. Yeah, I mean, no it, it, cares, it was dude. a speculation market. I mean, after the comics crashed, you know, in the 90s, yeah, and trading cards crashed in the, in the 90s, then there was something yeah. else that, that people wanted to speculate on and then it became toys, you know, yeah, and all these different variants of toys. And dude, I had a Professor X variant uh, yeah, from, from the X Men movie and then just ended up, you know, not being worth anything. And I think I sold yeah. them in a garage sale for like four bucks each. Like, all right, yeah, well, a- <laughs> yeah, I took a, I took a loss on them, right? So, <laughs> yeah, man, they big miner in some box somewhere, or some in some other, some other, somebody else's garage in the attic, I'm sure. Or someone saw it at the garage sale, and they're like, "Ooh, it's the cleavage edition, Jean Grey." <laughs> I gotta keep that. He pushes his glasses up. Well, that's $4. the cleavage edition of Jean Grey. There was only four thousand <laughs> of these made. Yeah. My toy Story Two isn't a real, true to life story of finding a toy. No, it being a no, that's pretty <laughs> rare. It's going to be pretty rare. You know, it's funny. I I mentioned a while back ago to some folks. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, obviously Star Wars was huge as a kid, and I had all the original. Well, not yeah. all of the original Star Wars toys. I wasn't just living in the lap of luxury, but I had a quite a bit of yeah. original, like nineteen seventy seven era. I had one star. That's very cool. Star Wars action figures, man. I had, you know, dude, I had them all. I had Vader, I had Luke, Jawa, Princess Leia, Han Solo, the dewback with the stormtrooper, and you pushed him into the little hole on the dewback, you know, to yeah. ride on it. And someone asked me, like, dude, those are worth like so much money. I'm like, huh, not the ones I had, man. I'm like, well, what? I said, dude, those were taken out of the box and played with. I said, those toys are long gone. I, I don't have them anymore. Yeah, I, I, um, I think I ended up donating them to uh, an orphanage uh, like back in the, you know, like 91, 92. I mean, they, they were beat to hell. I mean, they were just, they were toys. It's just toys, dude. They're toys. Yeah. Man. And, and this, I got the talk. <laughs> what? I'm like, I was like, dude, yeah, out. some nerd losing his, <laughs> losing his mind. And so I was like, they were <laughs> no idea. I said, they were toys, dude. I said, you know, I, you know, you got a Darth Vader for Christmas. Or birthday, yeah. or you had a great report card, and you, know, you come the home, last you come home from school, and there's like four new Star Wars toys sitting on the couch waiting just for you, right? The little right. note that says, "Good job at school, dude." You're <laughs> Johnny, rip- yeah, you're ripping work, that Johnny. stuff out of the package. I mean, you're not even. You didn't even look at the box. Screw the box, man. You want to get to that. <laughs> what box? Yeah. That was in the way. You want to get to that, that Han real- Solo in his Hoth outfit, man. That's what I want to get to. The box is for losers. <laughs> I tell you, they did some really cool stuff with the boxes and the packaging back then because it was part of the setup where you, they'd have the pop-off on the bottom mm-hmm. and you could set it up on the square and it would then you could yeah. pose your... Pose your figure behind. Oh, it mine didn't have those, dude. Not not these. Well, there ones. was some. I mean, just I don't know about Star Wars specifically, but there some, was some yeah, some did. did. But then as the Star the Wars 90s. toys started getting like popular again, like in the mid nineties, they would come with like little stands. Yeah. But dude, these ones that we were that I was getting, man, no stands, nothing. And so yeah, it was mm-hmm. funny. I was like, dude, was, you know, I was telling this guy, I said, man, those toys are like long gone. I said they were played with. <laughs> 
some of them the arms he's, and legs were so loose like you could hold them by the torso and go like on <laughs> their legs and arms and legs and just like you know wiggling all over the place like darth vader's that's light. the only reason why i wish we did a video yeah just me going <laughs> right this, that's it yeah. uh darth vader's lightsaber is long gone and so i forget who it was i was talking to because like dude don't you like feel bad you could have all this money i'm like i don't feel bad for a minute not a second not a nanosecond dude, those were toys and the incredible amount of memories that i have yeah. not just playing star wars by myself but playing with my friends creating our own adventures yeah, our own little sequels you know dude yeah deviant not deviant stories deviant stories man we had some really <laughs> twisted stuff going on real, real messed up stuff <laughs> deviating is what i meant to say deviating from like the plot line of the movies yeah. you know like we would have these scenarios like what if darth vader turned good you know and now all of a sudden like he's fighting with the rebels you know and just all this really cool stuff it's like did i wouldn't trade any of that in for you know a quote-unquote you know collectible price yeah those are meant to come out of the box those are never meant to stay in the box yeah i had the same experience i mean i had a similar experience i told you i had one star wars toy though uh the only star wars toy that i ever had it was from the 70s um because it was one of my dad's like you know he had this like box of stuff you know and he's like here you go you know and it's just like random it's like a rubik's cube (laughs) that doesn't have any of the stickers on it you know (laughs) He's like easy to said, solve. solve all, all, all sides are black. <laughs> yeah. I said, how do you solve this thing? He goes, well, I don't know, son, but we used to just take the stickers off and put them on the right spots. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. Genius. And he had some other stuff in there and there was one Star Wars toy and, uh, and it, <laughs> it was an Ewok that you could take the, take the little cloak off of the head oh, yeah. and put the cloak yeah. back on. So that's the only one I ever had. And I tell you that Ewok was the villain of every G.I. Joe franchise that I ran. <laughs> the villain. <laughs> inside of my playroom. I you love know, it. we had this we had this I mean it was a modest three bedroom house, but and uh you know with our back I had my I was an only kid and not a lot of people you know people know that you know that of course. Yeah. Um but I had you know I had my bedroom and I had a, a back bedroom that was kind of like full of toys and video you know the video game and stuff like that. And so I would go back there and I'd set up a I'd have like planes and like uh, tubing and like weird plastic stuff that would be like junkyards mm-hmm. and man I tell you I'd set up all my G.I. Joes on one side and that Ewok would be at the top of the junk tower <laughs> lording over my G.I. Joes but I tell you it, every time it was a success, successful campaign for those G.I. Joes they, they took ran down really that filthy well. Ewok every time <laughs> they took that filthy Ewok to town every single time and uh, they did great I'm really proud of those boys nice nice <laughs> that's awesome dude <laughs> well for a lot of people they still think Ewoks are the bad guys so you're you're probably yeah. like right in tune I, you know I didn't even know but at the time I had my you know, well, there's still a lot of bad stuff I had going on. <laughs> I had a second Genesis that had the uh, Michael Jackson video game, just playing the music, the 16 bit music in the background. Was it Moonwalker, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> you know, it was Moonwalker, dude. Nice. <laughs> oh, boy. But we didn't realize we were watching when we were playing that game. Like <laughs> just Michael no Jackson idea. freeing little kids who are in cages and just. Yeah, man. Oh, that was a few short years later, (laughs) you know, the accusations fly and you're like, Hmm, 
<laughs> you you turn off you turn off the console and be on you know the Cosby Show. <laughs> okay. Oh, there we go. Let's yeah. watch that. <laughs> He's a wholesome family man, that Bill Cosby. No, no idea. Just have a. I can't do a Bill Cosby impression. I, I was going to try to have a, just have a drink of his you, fruit punch. You, or, you've done you've done well with all your impressions so mm, far. We've had so many great impressions. They're stellar. From you. They're stellar. It's amazing. <laughs> and people think we just have all these celebrity guests. I know. They keep walking in and like, oh, Drake just got here. <laughs> Drake, <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> all right, man. So, uh quite a few quite a bit of stuff this week though. Yeah, we do. We do. So, or last two weeks, really. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks since everyone's uh, had the pleasure of having us tickle their eardrums with Sonic Woof. delights. So I think guess we should just just get right into the I don't want to say the elephant in the room, but the the big story, the big thing, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. All right, hit theaters last weekend. Uh, I got a chance to see it on opening day, which was uh, Friday night. Uh, yeah, man. Went to I think it was like a five fifteen showing, something like that. And I, I know I think you saw it a couple days after that on a Sunday. I, I saw it uh, the last showing possible uh, <laughs> on Sunday evening. The last showing possible. You like walking <laughs> into like eleven oh three was like the it last was eight fifty on a Sunday night. I had work the next morning. Eight like fifty was the last showing. Yeah, on a Sunday night. Is that Alamo? Nah, nah, nah. Wow. I know, but I did get a reserved seat, and so man, I wasn't going to go to a theater early. without a reserved seat. But oh, okay. it, it's a drive, man. Like now, it's now. <laughs> like yeah. I live out in the country. A Welcome little. to the and sticks, so, dude. Yeah, man. We just got yeah. a theater out by us about two years ago. So like for us to drive to the theater, it was, I used to go to that one. I used to live close to yeah. that theater. Yeah, you know which one um, I'm talking about? Queen Creek 14. Yeah, the man, go, That's the one I used to frequent. They, I liked Harkins a lot because they would show movies at eight o'clock in the morning, and that's when I would go. Yeah, the the big I would actually go to Saturday premieres at eight a.m. Yeah, the big blockbusters they'll show at like eight in the morning. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, you're like the only one there. <laughs> well, you'd leave and you go across the street to Queen Creek Cafe and you grab some breakfast and you talk about the movie. There you go, man. So, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, last weekend, you know reasonable as Ryan and I have had quite the text message thread going back and forth and the conversation yeah. before we hit the podcast airwaves. And so, you know, I think what our concern is uh, coming off the heels of iron fist where we really more like iron frowns. <laughs> oh, Whoa. terrible. <laughs> I'll be here all week folks. Uh, we didn't really want to just go, Oh man, here we go again with another. So, so, <laughs> but folks, here we go again with another little bit of a, so, so with guardians volume yeah. two. And we're, and that's, and I know that was more my concern. You know, I, I brought that up to John. I said, man, I hate, here's what I don't like. I don't want to, I definitely don't want to become a stereotype and a lot of these, a lot of comic book fans and a lot of, uh, you know, the crit, you know, critical, people that are in kind of our position love being the bring the negative they love to bring the this is you know it's popular not to like something and instead of just not liking it for reasons why it should not be liked um it's instead not liked just because it's easy to not like it and it's fun to not like it's it. it's fashionable it's cool yeah it's it's fashionable to not like fashionable it. so, to hate I don't want to ever be, uh, I don't ever want to be in that position where 
that's what this show has become. You know, um, we didn't start this show because of that. We didn't name it reasonable fanboys because we were going to just be <laughs> lambasting Marvel or lambasting DC the entire time. Like that's not who we are. It, you know, we want to love this stuff. So it's, you know, and we do I love this stuff. everything like that. Yeah. And we do. And, I, and, and I, criticisms yeah. that, that we're going to unfold here, uh, come from love of the source material of the characters and in really, you know what we want, you know, reasonable is we, we always want to be honest with you and we don't want to just go, yay, just because it's yay. Everybody loves it. Or to, to your point, Ryan, uh, you know, it's like, you know, worst movie ever. Like everything we see is the worst thing ever. And that's what this movie is not. And it's not, and it I is think definitely not the worst thing that, ever. It is not, the it's worst definitely not ever. the worst thing <laughs> ever. We made a whole show about our bottom five and it, guardians, yeah, guardians is, safely two is not, is not anywhere five. near the bottom five. So don't worry. About it's that. safely, <laughs> safely out of the bottom. Yes. five. Not even close. Safely out of, um, out of range. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not even close. But, um, I tell you the, uh, the reaction that I've I've come across with friends uh, talking about Guardians um, is just one of unabashed fanism, and I think, and I don't know if that's a word, but I'm making it up. But the, Fan, the fan, fanboyism, un, fanboyism, unreasonable fanboyism. Yeah, and it's just everything is amazing, and Baby Groot is awesome, and just the outpouring of uh, just being blind to a lot of the things that I thought got in the way. And I'm just like, I liked it, but I'm not going to sit here and just go, this is the most amazing thing of all time, just because it was produced by Disney and Marvel and put on a screen and I paid to go see it. And because people love to do the same thing, just the opposite way with DC. And it's like, before they even go and see the movies, they love bashing it. We, we just and, saw, before we, t- before we took the air, I don't want to cut you off, but we, just before we took the air, yeah. You and I both talked about an article that I just read at comicbooknews.com. One the 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 headline was Wonder Woman is not a mess. Now, and it was like give us a break. Give us implying a break. that we all everybody thought it was. Everyone just thinks it's going to be a mess. It's just going to be a disaster. And you know what what kind of gets in Ryan and I's craw is we're not here to pit marvel movies versus dc movies that's unreasonable fanboyism that's not what we do if you've been listening to us for the long haul i think you guys can safely agree with us that that's that's not how we live and breathe as fans of these uh you know movies and tv shows because if we just if we loved nothing but dc which you know, I, I've had people, Ryan, who listen to this show um, that I, you know, see on a consistent basis go, man, you guys just love DC and you hate Marvel. I'm like, you're just not listening. You guys aren't listening. You know, we love you, yeah. but you got to listen. If we just loved everything that DC did, we would gush endlessly over Supergirl, Arrow and The Flash. And we don't. We don't think those three shows are good. We don't enjoy and people- them. 
and, and, and if you love that, they had definitely not been hearing me talk about the what I think about Batman versus Superman. They have not been yeah. hearing me talk about what I think is wrong with Suicide Squad. That, you know? Ryan, Ryan and I have very different views on Batman versus Superman. I am, you know, very easily probably much more of a super fan of that movie than he is. And you can flip that coin. Before we started doing this show, Ryan, how many times would I needle you over Iron Man 3? He really, oh, Ryan, sure. Ryan loves Iron Man 3. I at times detest the very existence of that movie, but that's okay. And so, yeah, it, it, what we're going to, when we're going to kind of dig into this guys and we, if it feels like we're going into self-defense mode, we, we kind of are because we feel bad. We, we, you know, ended last week with like iron fist was just, it was not good. And we got the defenders trailer, which didn't inspire a lot of hope. And then, then here comes Guardians Volume 2, and we're like, all right, here we go. MCU, big summer blockbuster movie, Doctor Strange, which was so great, though it could have been called Doctor Strange Iron Man Edition, because it was <laughs> or Iron Man Doctor Strange Edition. Yeah, Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark is Doctor Strange. Yeah, Tony Stark is Doctor Strange. <laughs> but Doctor Strange was great. Great it movie. Loved it. So much fun. On the heels of Doctor Strange, you know, just really excited for Guardians Volume 2. And after going in to see it and, and sitting through it and, you know, taking a week now to come back to you guys and give our thoughts on it, we're going to say some things about this movie. They're going to be a little bit harsh. And Ryan, I couldn't agree more. And, and we said this before we went on air as well. We talked a lot about stuff before we went on air. That there is just, I don't understand this idea that if it's got Marvel on it, it's brilliant. If it's a Marvel movie, it's brilliant. It's going to always be brilliant. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It's just brilliant. You guys don't get it. It's brilliant. But then anything that DC puts out, it's a mess. It's stupid. It's a train wreck. It's a disaster. Oh my gosh, they're screwing up. They're ruining the characters. Hey guys, Guardians Volume 2 ruined some pretty established characters. It ruined them. It wrecked them. And mm-hmm. made him look look ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And out of step with what their comic book page is. Or com- well, what they are on the comic book pages. Sure. So really, that's, that's just kind of what we're saying. Is that, you know, we're going to give you our thoughts. It's not a review. We're not critics. Okay? You know, I mean, I know we've scored things here and there. But we're, we're fans. And we both wanted to absolutely love this movie. And... It's, it's a classic case of I really wanted to love you a lot, but I came away liking you a little. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, there's no sparks. I'll keep your number in my phone. Right. Yeah. There was definitely <laughs> you know, not a love connection. We can, we can stay friends, yeah. but we're not, we're not going on a second date. Okay. So enough, enough self-defense mode. Let, let's get in. Let, I know. Let, yeah. And that's terrible because I think it's more or less it's self-defense for me. And it's, it's, it's like self-self-defense. Kind of weird um, to say that. It's not necessarily scared of people's comments and criticisms on it, but it's scared of where I feel inside of this stuff because I really didn't expect to feel this way. And we just, and I do feel this way. And we and just want to be honest. We want to be yeah. honest with you guys. Yeah. Anyway. And, and if we love something, we love it. If we don't, man, we're going to tell you. Okay, so let's go in. So Guardians Volume 2. Let's kind of hit on some of the stuff we liked, Ryan, before we just go. Or do we want to start out well, with stuff that we didn't let's, like? Let's start off the stuff we don't like. Okay. That way we finish good. All right. Because um, <laughs> I definitely, I know. I definitely, because we, we got quite a few things to push through tonight. And so, yeah. Okay. This, right. I don't want 
to start off like with a bad note into everything else that we want to talk about. <laughs> well, we're going to finish with some really great note on some stuff in print, which was outstanding oh, yeah. these last two weeks. Great yeah. comics in print um, from from three major companies, at least from my perspective, from three yeah. major companies you, put you, out some really you, great yeah. stuff. Uh, cool. So um, you want me to go first? You want to go first? Do we just want to jump in. We're going to take turns. Roll. I'll jump 16 in. Yeah, I'll jump dice. In. I'm not going to worry about first or second or whatever. Okay. But I'll just jump in. Um, as you know, the movie starts, the movie kick off and this is going to be all spoilers. The movie. Oh, kicks yeah. Off, Can we uh, just say that right now? If you haven't seen <laughs> Guardians Volume 2, we are going to spoil. All right. Yeah, this oh, I'm going to title the episode Guardians Volume 2 that way everybody understands like before you get in. Oh, this is what we're don't give it that title. I got a great title. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> we're Mary good. Poppins, y'all. But yeah, we're going to be spoiling Guardians. Okay. So go ahead. So man. it you know, obviously it kicks off and it kicks off in the trailer. And I like that. I like that about movies now <coughs> is that a lot of the stuff I'm seeing in the trailers is happening in the first like 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm and in Guardians Volume 2, that all the trailers showed this like the battle of the big beast. And not a lot of people unless you're probably super nerd and you started looking at all the uh, Easter eggs already did you figure out like that was probably the intro sequence? And I really like that about movies um, that start off. Like we see a lot of the stuff that way. I know none of the trailer killed the movie for me. Um, you know, when I see images of the trailer happen in that first 10 minutes, I'm like rad, like, okay, like none of the trailers took everything away from me. So I feel good about that. You know, doomsday Batman versus Superman. I'm just saying, <laughs> of course. So, yeah. No, no question. <laughs> so the, yeah, right. So anyway, it kicks off in Baby Groot's intro sequence. Now, I expected this. I really did. I was like, we're going to get, hopefully, we're going to get a lot of Baby Groot up front in the front of part of the movie, and we are going to get him out of the way because we've got some serious things to talk about, like, you know, Star-Lord's dad, which is huge. So Baby Groot, obviously going to be a comedic relief in the game or in the in the show, we're going to get a lot of him out of the way. What I didn't expect was 10 minutes of a, of credits while I watched baby Groot dance, jump and kick around a, a blurry background of everything I really wanted to see. I didn't, I only wanted to see what was going on in the background. In fact, I tried to just look at it would hurt my eyes because <laughs> I was just trying to focus on what was the unfocused content. I don't know if you felt, I know you felt the same way, but it's like, that's what I tried to keep I, to watch. I loathed every second of that opening. Every second. It was, I was just, I'm after right there the with first, you. I wanted to see the, the guardian two minutes. I wanted to see the guardians fighting as a team as a yeah, unit man. think yeah. of how age of ultron opened my yeah. goodness i mean just you like the, you had the group man you had a group dynamic you had it there yep. and then you had like the nice little banter you know between mm -hmm. star lord and gamora i thought i was doing the guns thing i thought you were doing the source thing. that's cute that's funny i enjoyed that line yeah like it's that it's 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 star lord it's not just chris pratt like chris pratt plays star lord really well because that's star lord but it's not chris so, pratt playing chris pratt yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's star lord that i mean and i can say that about a lot of these characters a lot of these characters played themselves as if i was reading a comic book which is a problem uh in a lot of ways and we'll talk about that but anyway yeah intro sequence setup i thought i kind of expected it but i didn't expect to sit through like seven to eight minutes 
of just watching like background noise to baby Groot dancing. And I know a lot of people get a kick out of that. Oh, and I know a lot gosh. of people, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, baby it's like, Groot. Okay, I, okay, baby Groot. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I can get on board with baby Groot. It's not a problem with baby Groot. I have a problem with seven minutes of forced humor with baby Groot. And that's what I felt like after, after the first like 30 seconds, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm good. And that's when I noticed that in the background, and I'll say this now though, I don't have to say it later. That's when I noticed that behind me, uh, I heard laughing. And the reason why I heard laughing is it because there was a bunch of adults that brought their six year olds to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, and which is a PG 13 movie. And I kind of wrote to myself, I'm like, wait a second. Marvel just made a PG-13 movie that you could bring your six-year-old to. Yep. I feel like I'm about to know what I'm going to walk into now. Like, yes. I expected a fun blockbuster. If fun does not mean that I bring it, that you can, that necessarily means that you bring a six-year-old to it, right? Like, it's, and I only say that in kind of a general, <laughs> general sense, but when you could definitely like when it's been approved by like parent blogs of like, you know, few, a few grim sequences, always, always measured with always backed up with comedic breaks though. So you don't have to worry about, and then tons of flashing colors. Oh yeah. Colors of <laughs> like, plenty. Colors of it's, plenty. It's fi- finding Nemo with explosions is what I was watching. Well, you know, Ryan, we, when we got the first guardians teaser trailer and you know, rockets like this button, this button, not this button. Now say it back right. to me. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Right. No, right. I, I told you, I said, get ready. Okay. Cause I live through return of the Jedi as a young, yeah, as, well, I wasn't a young and I was 12, 11 or 12 years old. There's a reason why. Okay, we're gonna let me get let me give you my thoughts on this. Is that not to bring because Star Wars relates to everything, Ryan? When Star Wars was originally (laughs) Return of the Jedi was originally written, it was going to be Wookiees, not Ewoks, right? And the battle was going to take place on Kashyyyk, not Endor, right? Okay, I do remember this. Somewhere along the line, George Lucas got in in his head. Well, if I shrink these things down. And I make them look like teddy bears. I can sell more of them. Make sure, it work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ewoks to this day are still a huge seller because they're cute. They're mm-hmm. cuddly. Yeah, man. People love them. My wife loves the Ewoks. She thinks they're great. I eye roll over the Ewoks. I've accepted the Ewoks like I accept the Gungan. Do you take <laughs> the good with the bad? Okay. It's right. just all there. Fast forward to Guardians Volume 2. We said, you know what? It, Baby Groot is going to sell. It's going to sell. And there's a reason why they're going to make him all cute. Because he didn't have to be a baby in this one. He could have been fully grown again. Okay? Yeah. He could have been fully grown again. But the way Guardians Volume 1 ended with him dancing to the Jackson 5, you know, when Drax isn't looking and then Drax looks at him and then he stops. Drax looks away and he starts dancing. We all thought that was cute and that was fun and that was great. I laughed at that. I thought that was fantastic. But when we see baby Groot in the trailers and then to your point, man, dude, when that movie started with 10 minutes of baby Groot, I leaned over and I said, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And it was James Gunn is the one who did all the dance steps for it. And they took his body capture and put it into baby Groot. Yeehaw. Let's all slap our knees and have a really great time. And right. for me, that set the tone for the rest of the movie that 
Disney expected, and it had said a couple of times that Guardians Volume 2 was going to be the Empire Strikes Back of the Guardians trilogy. Fail. This was not the yeah, Empire Strikes what? Back. This is the Empire. This, this this wasn't even to mention these those two movies together is is high blasphemy. Um, to put Guardians Volume Two in the same sentence as the Empire Strikes Back, never will I do that again. And those two don't go together at all. And no. one is like is not like the other. And and I'm with you, man. It's like I wanted to see the Guardians working together as as a team they're, now they're going to be dysfunctional i mean they're not going to be the avengers that's the guardians man. that's the guardians that's the dynamic that's the dynamic and that's totally okay yeah but yeah man i mean we saw if there was ever a movie that was going to be made for for blu-ray it was guardians volume two with just the endless color streams <laughs> i mean it's going to look amazing on our 4k tvs but sure buddy yeah the okay eye candy will only get you so far one thing that that I just was I felt when that right when that started, number one, the banter felt incredibly forced. It felt like, okay, I'm gonna read my line. Okay, now Zoe Saldana, you read your line. Okay, now Chris, your line. Okay, now Zoe, your line. Okay, cut to action. Drax, your line. Okay, Star Lord, your line. Cut to action. Okay. Zoe, your line. I mean, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And yeah, man, I I felt like I was watching a video game. The, the special effects of this movie were were a big letdown for me. That a lot of green screen, a lot of green well, the screen. The whole movie was green screen, man. Like, just there was no, painful, I mean, not- painful green screen. Where at times you're just like, yeah. man, alive. It's like Disney. I mean, are we cutting corners at this yeah. point? So yeah, not origins bad, but. No, bad. no, definitely not. Origins <laughs> bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> with uh, Hugh Jackman with his uh, claws obviously stuck to his hand, glued to his hand. <laughs> yeah, um, no, definitely not that bad. But man, there were times yeah. it was just like it was painfully clear that was that yeah. was green screen. Uh, you know, yeah. um, I enjoyed the uh, the who was it the 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 gold group. I, and I oh, the uh, the sovereign. The Sovereign. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed those sequences. I thought those yeah. were, she, the way she fit into that like headdress, though, Yeah, that was cool. And then she like stands up and you realize that she's not wearing anything. Like That was like part of the... Yeah, like, the, the, Sovereign were, like, yeah the Sovereign were cool. cool. Um, I really liked you know, the idea that their, their ships are sort of like a video game. Yeah, the arcade yeah, kind of style. So th- yeah, so that was fun. You know, I, but a lot of the comedic elements that came into this movie... Um... I, w- I was half expecting at some point for Rocket to break the fourth wall and look at me and then start talking to me like he's Deadpool. I mean, like we're yeah, getting really, really yeah. close, really close right now. Yeah, dude. And I'm not kidding. I was starting to get very nervous. It's like, are, are these characters going to start talking to the audience? All right. Is this going to be Marvel's quote unquote, since they don't have Deadpool, is this yeah. going to be their Deadpool? And I think in a, I, I think in a lot of ways, Ryan, they, they tried, they tried to, I wouldn't, I honestly, it would have fit in so well that I probably would have walked out and then afterwards realized, Oh wait, <laughs> like it would have, it would have just slid right in so well. And I mean, so well as in it would just camouflage in what's going on. I tell you, there was, I'm moving forward. I hope you don't mind. But no, moving forward, there's no, there's the, no structure to this one here. We're anyway, just free yeah, free thinking. The, the what started to frustrate me was watching Pirates of the Caribbean every time the Ravagers were on screen. Um, yeah. I couldn't get 
and I and I, I thought you probably feel the same way, but it was just pirates all day long, and it was like I get that they're pi- like they're ki- like that's what they're speed they're space like, pirates. They're pirates, yeah, they're, they're space, space pirates. pirates. Yeah, get it. Like let's let's take that, but let's not be pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to be pirates of the Caribbean, right? They now. were that's pirates we're of the Caribbean, do. dude. That little snow planet was uh, the same as. Um, What's the what's the island they would all meet at? Um, in, oh, in Pir- I don't know. T- uh, started with a T. I can't remember, but you know, Yon- Turd Island. Turd Island. That's what it was. Yeah. It was Turd Island. <laughs> uh, you know, Yondu <laughs> breaks the Ravagers code, just like there was yeah. a there's a pirates code in Pirates of yeah. the Caribbean. Well, I mean, it wasn't even like that. It was just the goofball, like oh. the, just the slapstick humor all day long. And, and like the Pirates Code, like the Ravagers Code, that doesn't bother me. Okay. Like that barely. Well, I was saying that is like me. a parallel between the two. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. It just doesn't. That didn't step in the way, but it was just the slapstick like humor that would just constantly move forward. And like, but it was such a roller coaster ride because Yondu, the first time we see Yondu is then this sequence, I think, right? Or no? Well, yeah. Well, we see him on the planet. Yeah. I forget the name of the planet, Hoth. <laughs> the ice. Yeah, the Hoth. They're planet. on Hoth. So they're on Hoth. <laughs> and he is clearly just been done with a robot prostitute. Like, oh, like a few of them. There's like, like there's like three there's of them in the room with him. Yeah. <laughs> like there's multiple robo sex bots yeah. in his room. Now, that's what the, that's what kills me about this because I just watched like 10 minutes of group dance and then you're going to throw robot sex yeah, robot, like robot prostitutes in my face yeah, like dude, getting we dressed. have gone from like yeah. kid movie to PG-13 at its finest like where are we supposed to sit? Yeah. Like you have not given me an emotional like seat and you have prepped me for the silly fun like group movie and then all of a sudden I'm watching like robot horrors uh, like yeah robot hookers yeah well and he's (laughs) and he's like staring out the window like you know pensively as he's getting dressed like he's regretting something yeah there's something in him like and it's like like, okay like like, like having sex with a robot hooker like yeah that kind of might weigh on you for a minute if you're not wondering what you've just done with your life yeah (laughs) like where have i where is my life right now you know and then you know (laughs) yeah I'm dying over here. I can't handle it. I know. Well, and then, you know, Starhawk shows up, who's, you know, Sylvester Stallone. We That was cool. I enjoyed that. That was cool. A lot of people, it was cool. The, the, now, I knew that Stallone was in it. You knew that Stallone was in it. Mm-hmm. Who he mm-hmm. was was kind of kept very secret. And we're going to get into right. another criticism and a post-credit scene. If you're not comic book nerdery, you have no idea who Stallone's group is. But yet, they expect you to know. I think it was a cool nod, and I don't think oh, they expected everybody they have, to know. Marvel has come out and said they're those guys are going to play a huge role in well, some of yeah, them. Yeah, they will. But I, I'm, I'm with, anyway. But you're yeah. you're supposed to know who they are. I mean, so Starhawk shows up. He talks about you know, and it was really cool the the, the reaction at least in my theater when it was telling people were like, oh, I didn't know that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and I like I cool. like Sly Stallone, bad hair piece and all. I like Stallone. <laughs> I'll always be a Stallone fan. By the way, if not, you, I did not frown at all. No, during his no. Sequences. And if you he guys was, have was, not seen Creed, you need to watch it. It's criminal that Sylvester Stallone did not win the best supporting actor 
uh, award wow. for that. He is so good. It's not just another Rocky movie or anything like that. It's a part of the Rocky series. Yes. Uh, but yeah. check it out. Creed it, it fantastic movie anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Stallone, you know, shows up on screen. He plays uh, in the comics. He goes by the name Starhawk, who was an original, original guardian of the galaxy back in the seventies. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he talks to him about, you know, breaking this code and we don't really know what it is, but that's okay. You know, it sounds like, you know, well, he we, talks about the kid. We, we don't He's deal like, with children. We don't, you yeah. know, and so you're like, wow, Yondu's done something pretty gross. And now this is what I did like is they, the, the initial impression is like, it's something that has happened between the end of the first one and the beginning of the second one. But then as the story unfolds, you find out that what Yondu was doing pre, you know, guardians during guardians yeah. and then post, that's what they were referring to. Cause he was bringing all these kids to ego and he was breaking the Ravagers code. That was before. That would have been before Guardians. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, but I'm saying how it, how it's first presented to us is that it yeah. what had his being accused of dealing with children takes place yeah. between the first and second movies. Like he's done something in between those two. That's how I looked at it because he, uh, I didn't. Yeah, I don't think that's the timeline at all. No, 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 no. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Oh, the way it was first presented to us as the viewer. Oh, okay. You follow gotcha. me now? I'm on board. Okay. I'm on board. The way it was I'm presented there. to Sorry. us is that it's <laughs> happened between the two films, but then as gotcha. the movie goes along, you find out that it had been going on it for was, a while. That's yeah, what I was, was previous. So I liked yeah. the slow reveal with that. I thought yeah, that, that was, was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then really Stallone's nice. just gone. You know, he tells him you're not going to get the burial. You're not going to get the colors and he's gone. And I'm left with what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, right. Because there was, was no good exposition, man. Great exposition, setup. but I'm supposed to know what he's talking about. We didn't know about a Ravager's code in the first one. We didn't know that that, that Yondu was part of like this bigger, like almost cult like group yeah. of people. You just think it's Yondu's a space pirate. He's got his crew, and and Quill was a former member of the crew uh who left and sometimes they work together sometimes they butt heads sometimes they do business sometimes they steal from each other so that was very perplexing where it's just like okay i guess he's part of a bigger ravager yeah. thing okay uh whatever um mo move along move along you know back to baby groot and um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there there was that, you know, I, I guess, you know, really when I sum up a, a lot of because I don't want to just break down this movie scene by scene. It, it just. I agree with you when you said earlier before we started recording that anytime this movie tried to to get serious with us, man, there had to be some slapstick brought in and certainly guardians uh it exists in the mcu to be the quote-unquote lighter side but when you deal with some pretty heavy emotional stuff like yeah. thanos literally mutilating nebula while yeah. she's awake which is what he did yeah. in the comics by the way thanos is a real turd bucket if you guys don't read Thanos and Marvel. Yeah, he's not. He he's, is an he's the, evil. He is, a, he is. He is called the yeah. Mad Titan for a reason. He is insane and he's evil. And when he gets a hold of the Infinity Gauntlet, it just it's it's an insane god is who he becomes. Yeah, insane. Some of the uh, alternate 
versions of comics that I think it was like the what if series. Uh-huh. Um, they actually wrote in where Thanos was holding the infinity gauntlet and wiped out a galaxy just because he could. Yeah. And if you, so, if you read the infinity gauntlet, um, collected series, as you prepare for the infinity war coming up next summer, when he puts those on he just decides to just blink out like 20% of the universe's existence just cause he can, yeah, man. because he wants yeah, to just cause. And so, you know, you go from, you know, he would set up these sparring contests between Gamora and Nebula and the, and that was heavy sequences, man. Like them telling us that yeah. and walking through that, like, and, wow. and Gamora understood the levity of it, but didn't know essentially what Thanos was doing afterwards. Yeah. But she was also beating Nebula um, on purpose because she didn't want that happening to her. And so Nebula tells the story. It's like every, you called me your sister and every time we would fight, you knew that you were better than me and that you would purposefully beat me. So just handedly and then you would just walk away knowing and and she doesn't say thanos she says our father would would you know cut my eye out cut my arm off take you know my brain yes while she was awake he was doing this that was heavy stuff and so i'm like yeah not not like reveling in the depravity of that but just like yes that is good exposition now comes time for You're an armpit. Chills. Yeah. Like it was yeah. chills. Like I had emotional. And now it's time for an armpit fart. You know, let's all laugh. When she goes through her. And I'm just like, why Nebula can't we be serious? Talking. Why can't we be serious for a couple of scenes? It's okay. Go ahead. And man. Nebula I'm sorry, was talking about her. Like when they find out where um, Gamora is on ego and where they give her the ship and she's, and it's just like, what are you going to do with, uh, with the money and she's like well i'm going to buy as much armor as much armory as i can i'm going to and she goes on this kind of like a 10 10 to 15 second oh this was nebula tirade. yeah nebula said, nebula yeah. that's why i said that yeah nebula i thought i heard when you say gamora, gamora i thought i heard you say oh gamora. i mentioned i did mention gamora though but she they found out where she was and they they marked her on the map for nebula yeah and she goes on this kind of like a little bit of a little bit of a um monologue of um you know, him going to rip him from limb to limb and just like, just you feel the rage and you're like, great. And this would be a great sequence to just slam the cockpit door and just hit the gas and gone. Right. Yeah. No, they're going to cut to the other guy standing there really awkwardly and just go, I thought you wanted to buy a dress. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's what I was talking about. I didn't know. Uh, You said you wanted to buy something pretty. Ruined it. Yeah, it just removes me. And that was the last time I actually let myself go into because I I let myself get pulled. Obviously, you want to let yourself get pulled into these moments, escapism, right? Like you're you're getting into this stuff. You want to live in the world, and so you let yourself get emotionally tugged by these moments. And so I'm getting emotionally tugged by these moments. And that was honestly, John, what I can tell you is that was the last time I got emotionally pulled into anything in this movie. And that goes from that movie all the way to Yondu at the end. Oh yeah, and it was just. Like I was done. Like I couldn't be more like I was, it was boy cries wolf over and over again with all the emotional sequences because dad gummit, there was going to be a joke somewhere. And sure enough, man, time after time with the ego fight and time after time with Yondu's comments and 
is just it of course rocket and Groot was sprinkled in every little moment where Groot could say I am Groot like I am Groot. you know yeah the knee slapping is going his on big dull me eyes the blinking at you in the screen and all watery and about like, ready to cry yeah man like uh, yeah. and then and then the screaming and I know this yeah, you probably wanted yeah. to talk about this but the screaming from Dave Batista so you know uh, I I after the original uh, Guardians Drax really was was probably my favorite character. Uh, I'm a fan of Dave Batista. You know, we've mentioned that, you know, I enjoy some wrestling from time to time. And he's Dave, an amazing actor and stunt he, person. I haven't yes. much had wrestling experience with him. You have, but yeah, he, I have seen him in his physicality and he the is, the he is a, I wish I could work out to that level. Yeah, he is a big fella. There is no question. Dave Batista is a big fella. And you know, he got his start uh, in professional wrestling, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, retired from that for a little bit, went and did some mixed martial arts. I actually think he went like 4-0. and He didn't fight for UFC, but it was for a couple of smaller... MMAs. I think he I think he went undefeated. He's like three and zero or four and one. Dude or knows something. what he's doing. Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> he knows how to he knows how to do scripted fighting and he knows how to like punch your face as well too. Came back to WWE. You know, kind of dipped his toes in some you know kind of B level um, direct to like you know pay per view or what we used to call it back in the day, direct to video movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, he gets cast in guardians of the galaxy. And I remember when I first heard that, I'm like, you know, he's cast as Drax, the destroyer. I'm like, good pick. That's a good pick. You don't have to CGI him up. That's body paint that he's wearing and prosthetics. That's great body paint. Too. Yeah. They do, they do a great job with that. Yeah. Drax looks really good. And he has the look and I absolutely loved Drax in uh, the first guardians. You know, the, yeah, the literal, the deadpan, the all the unintentional comedy. He's I don't miss jokes. I catch them. Yes, because I'm fat because they, I am nothing fast. flies over my and head. And he's so literal and analytical. And like when he first to Gamora is a green whore and he doesn't yeah. view that as an insult. Right. That's just not his thing. But yet also at the same time, he could be so convincing about the pain that he felt losing his family. To Thanos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so what we're given in Guardians Volume 2 is a Drax that is yelling and shouting for darn and not near really recognizable. He's, he is not the same character for like he, he has yeah. a couple moments, you know, where, you know, he tells Mantis that she's not beautiful on the outside. He's like, she is disgusting. Her beauty is on the inside. That is what I value in a woman. But then he would be like, oh, that's horrible. Like, like he was a teenage boy, like afraid to get consistent. Yeah. But then he has these touching moments with her where he reflects on him losing his family. And this is a scene that I really enjoyed. And Mantis reaches out and touches him and she just starts weeping. Yeah. Because she feels his loss. And, th- and that was the connection between those two right there. Then I don't think there's anything romantic, but they, they, oh, they no. made this incredible connection. And he was willing when ego started just, you know, using every aspect of, of his planet self to uh, combat the guardians. And he's swallowing up Drax. Drax keeps pushing Mantis higher and higher into the I air. Know, that was really, that was really awesome. Powerful moment. And really, and awesome. Drax, great character james gunn you booger you you made him look like a fool an absolute fool 
for about 90% of the time. Do me, do me, do me. I'm next. I'm next. I, I could, if that was, hang on. If that though was an isolated incident, because I actually really enjoyed that in the, in the trailer. I thought that was hilarious. I, I like that. You never saw Drax in that moment of just like actually being genuinely excited. About I, I, something. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. But then when he's doing the same thing outside of that the, with his bellowing laughter was just, it would, it was, it was out of character. It, it would be like all of a sudden, you know, Hulk starts doing a two step, you know, in As between, yeah. In between smashing, you know, yeah. He's just going to give you a, a, or give the, give the camera a wink. Yeah. Hey doing there. I'm the Hulk, you know, yeah <laughs> like but it, and that's the thing like as an isolated incident i really enjoyed that moment in the I, I did too i, I did too i i have nothing against that scene i'm just saying yeah. you took what he was doing there and then but that moved was the entire it, time yeah throughout the entire movie for the, for I, the most I, part it was, it was a drax that i'm with you man it was a drax that was not recognizable from the first movie i think and, and i kind of you know it's just like you could play devil's advocate on it a little bit where you say well he's been around Star Lord, he's been around Rocket, he's been around Gamora, you lightning know, Star Lord and Rocket, bit. right? Lightning up a so little bit. So maybe mm-hmm. they're pushing, you know, the non-literal a little bit. He's understanding how not to be as literal. He's understanding some of those things. And then but it's such a like choppy intersection of like being literal, not being literal, being literal, not being literal, in between screaming all of his lines and this like happy joyful thing. And then and then we get that sweet moment and we get that moment with him and Ma- uh, Mantis and you see him just sitting solemnly and she's like just breaking because that's, he's able to control yeah. his emotions yeah. in that way. And her, and and that's her what, heart is just breaking, yeah. just breaking. So that's yeah. what's more confusing because you had him dying of laughter, like literally just like belly laughing with the Gamora sequence cut to he's only solemn when he's thinking about his family and Mantis is just like breaking down. She can't handle it. She can't handle the pain. Um, Yeah. So how, what stretch are we to believe his emotional range is now? Like, is that I, I, I'm, I'm lost in where Drax lives now. I don't know where he's at anymore. He's very unpredictable of a character that is not unpredictable. He's very predictable. And that's what we love about, you know, Star Trek was able to keep Spock logical, analytical, but yet entertaining. And embracing his human side when he had to, especially in the, especially in the movies. Okay. When you move beyond the original TV show and you go into the original cruise movies that, you know, if Spock had just been Mr. Logic all the time, you know, he would have been boring. But then if you had, you know, a Star Trek episode where Spock is slapping his knees, busting a gut, peeing his pants, laughing, you'd be like, what? This doesn't work. And so the balance wasn't found there with Drax. Um, You know, Gamora, I felt the Gamora and Nebula story got lost in the mix. Uh, To your point, anytime that would get serious, something slapsticky would happen. Or even not maybe in the moment, but maybe a minute afterwards, if they cut to another sequence, we're going to see something goofy and something flashy. Yeah. Um, I I did enjoy sort of the, uh, you know, uh, rivalry between Rocket and Quill. I I like that, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. of a, of a tug of war in terms of abilities there. I didn't really have a problem with that rocket for pretty much for the most part. I really enjoyed rocket through the second one it was a more yeah it was a more really, yeah. somber rocket than in the first one yeah. and if any i guess ryan the two characters who grew the most were yondu and rocket and one of them bit the dust 
Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Because Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> Rocket grew as a character and and, you know, battled within himself uh, about yeah, being man. a part of a group when before it was just Making him and Groot. Calls. It was just him and Groot. And now he's yeah. got to protect Groot. He's Groot's protector. He's Groot's overseer. Yeah. You know, and so um, I, and there were a couple of parts uh, that I liked that were kind of the reverse of Guardians, you know, iconic scene in Guardians, of course, which is taken uh, talking about the first movie, but taken right out of the comics is, you know, when Rocket will perch himself on Groot and just, you know, start unloading on his gun because oh, he, so can, cool, yeah. he can dig into Root or Groot's, you know, bark. And the gun yeah, right. won't recoil him all over the place like it tends to do in the comics. That's one of the funny things about Rocket is he's got these big ass guns and he starts shooting. <laughs> he and starts like, like yeah, he starts like shumbling back. Yeah, starts shooting him up in the air when he when he pulls the trigger. And, you know, and they they flipped that. You know, they had you know little baby Groot on Rocket's shoulder, just going like ah! yeah. You know that part yeah. I liked. You know where he's like using like his little arms to like reach out. I thought that no, was very was some, cool. Was, that was a was very a, good a few use. Sequences of, of paper. That was a very good like use that. of baby Groot right there. Yeah. But yeah, he's taking down those dudes like you know wrapping up their legs. Yeah, that, w- that was throwing fun. them off the throwing them off the sidewalks and stuff. Yeah. and you know, I right after he that. told you he was super cute, he's killing people. Yeah, but again, emotional roller coaster ride. Yeah, that you can't handle. But you know, Rocket <laughs> grew as a character. Um, really, yeah. really liked Rocket in in Volume Two. Man, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a standalone Rocket movie. To be really honest with you, I think they could get away with it. But dude, Bradley Cooper, if he's you so ever good, watch, man. go online. He's so good, and in. YouTube, honestly, YouTube this, and there's not a lot of it out there. And I found out because I was looking for it. Um, but watch Bradley Cooper do the voice work for Rocket, and he brings I, life into that never, character, man. He brings. I life can't to hear. It. Yeah, I can't hear Bradley Cooper. Yeah. actually, inside of Rocket's voice, which is kind of interesting. I've never been able to like. Oh, that's totally Bradley Cooper. You know, there's a lot of things you can, you know, that do voiceover and you're like, okay, that's this person. That's that person. But with Bradley, that was the one biggest surprising thing to me in Guardians 1 is I never really heard Bradley Cooper doing it. I just, it was always Rocket. Like he does such a great job getting into that character and they, 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 he does a lot of that work before some of the, the work has been finished with Rocket's uh, animation. Um, and they'll use a lot of his voice, a lot of his facial expressions as they don't track him. It's not like a tracking thing. Yeah. They're just watching him do the character like in the voiceover stage. And uh, they're like, okay, we need to go back and like retouch. And they, they did that with Vin Diesel as well too for uh, adult Groot. You know, they use a lot yeah, of his right. facial expressions as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So really no complaints about Rocket when he takes on the Ravagers by himself. Great use of the soundtrack too, playing Fox on oh, the run yeah. while he's doing that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Doing all the explosions yeah. and the, yeah. this trap setting. Mm. Total thumbs up. That was a great Rocket moment. Dude, that's, ra- that's Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. Moment. That is Rocket yeah. Raccoon right there, man. I mean, just... You know, he, he is a little, a little one animal army, you know, and just, yeah, yeah. he knows what he's doing. He's super smart. Yeah. Um, the other part I really enjoyed was, uh, the leaving quill behind moment. And when they were, you know, when they, he had to make that call of of shutting the door and taking off and you could tell when he, he said, I've already lost, you know, I've already lost one friend today. I'm not going to lose another. Yeah. And he's talking about losing quill. He's talking about leaving quill behind because he's not, and he keeps Gamora from going after quill mm-hmm. and he's like no i'm not losing you because yeah. i'm already i'm already counting him as a loss you see that tear i felt that emotion yes. there yeah it brought me back in for a minute i try not to let it fool me again but you know <laughs> well it was fool it me, was the growth fool of me three times you know you're not gonna fool me you're not gonna fool me again yeah but <laughs> so that's 
it was there's a, that that was a great it is to me that was just wonderful very good and very good right i think that was like probably i don't know if that was right before or after we saw one of the more emotionally disconnecting moments of seeing these two gods go after yeah, each let, other. Let's get into some, yeah, because we're going a little long here on, on Guardians. So let's get into some ego and quell here before we get to the part that really was the icing on the cake for all of this for us. Yeah. Peter Quill himself, um, loved Kurt Russell throughout the oh, entire movie. Dude, though. Kurt Just Russell say that. is dude. That guy's the tops man. I, I <laughs> like, Talk about old Loved school. It. I love Kurt Russell, man. Just, love some Kurt Russell. I he still, was fantastic from start to finish. I still don't understand why he didn't do Expendables 3. I just don't, man. It just He was supposed to be the <laughs> bad guy, and it ended up going to Mel Gibson, and it ended up working out pretty well, but yeah, Kurt Russell. I mean, come on, dude. That guy's so cool. He's the, you know? he's the bee's knees. Yeah, he is, man, dude. <laughs> uh, hateful Eight. He is the cat's meow. And he yells, like, what's he that is, Mexican been doing? Cooking his socks in the pot. I mean, just uh, <laughs> ah, that mustache. Ah, so good. Anyway, Kurt Russell yeah, yeah. with a beard, by the way, needs to stay forever. Kurt Russell with a I beard. I don't think he's ever going to shave no, that thing. No, man, that's that, that's beard, his, looks, that from, beard is stellar. It is stellar. He's had that thing for a while. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell, great casting there. Uh, loved yeah. the, the CGI effect, similar to what they used on Robert Downey uh, in Civil War. To yeah. to youngin him up a little bit, yeah. Uh, very well done. Looked very good. Um, you know, yeah. obviously you could tell it's computer work, but you're not like what you know <laughs> when you say you're like yeah. yeesh. <laughs> Looking at you, Tron Legacy, when you try to make you know young. Uh, Man, that was the first that you could tell. That was like the first time they tried that mess. Yeah, too. it like, was. Yeah. I wanted to like it so bad. And I'm like, oh man, mm. like getting like, yeah. does this spawn all over? Yeah, they're going to need to work happened. on this one. Uh, yeah. So Kurt Russell, really no complaints there. Where, you know, and, and I and I like Chris Pratt. I really do. I think Chris Pratt is a great casting yeah, decision man. for Peter Quill. Yeah. I just watched the Magnificent Seven today. He's he's great in that. Um who would have thought that the big lunk from Parks and Rec would be the you know the hunk. The lunk would become the hunk, right? Yeah. I, Those I, before and after fo- after photos for him, like oh. he's talked about that quite a bit of yeah, losing man. that weight, dude. He's and like, and I and that's when I know there's hope for me. He's dreamy, like, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> no question. You know, he's dreamy. So, uh, he he like like Robert Downey, man. I mean, you know, Robert Downey is Tony Stark. Uh, Chris Pratt is is Star Lord. It just it it works. It fits. Yeah, yeah. What frustrated me about Star Lord is, you know where did the daddy issues come from? Because he wasn't concerned about his dad. In fact, he really could have cared less about who his dad was in the first one. All he simply knew. Yeah. His mom referred to his dad as an angel, angel made of light, angel made of light. This was a, this was a kid who, you know, watched his mother die in front of him and he had mommy issues, not like overbearing mother mommy issues, but just like that was that was the most important person in his life. And she was taken from him and then he was taken from his planet. And you know, the, the few things that he has left to remember her by are the memories in his head and two cassette tapes. And that's it. That's it. That's all he's got. And just really being frustrated over the forced daddy storyline between Yondu and Quill, you are given yeah. no indication, no indication in the first movie at all 
that there is a father son pseudo relationship between these two. In fact, the way it's presented, not even close. The way it's presented is Quill was just a crew member who went, who struck out on his own, stole a ship, and was like, later, yo. Named it the Milano. And then Yondu's been chasing after yeah. him because he still owes him money That's or right. whatever. Stole one of the ships, repainted it, named it the Milano, and went into business for himself solo and just kind of went around, yeah. you know, the galaxy picking up alien chicks and and kind of being sort of the Indiana Jones of, you know, the galaxy, just going after yeah. artifacts and then, you know, selling them on the black market to see what he can get for they, it. And in, 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 in avoiding one, the Ravagers yeah. as much as he could, right? In volume one, there is some nods to Yondu being soft on Quill. Well, they they do. Yeah, they do. It is. So it's like, you know, you always kind of seem to let him get away. And basically yeah. what I took from Why it, don't you let us just get him, kill him and bring him in? Like, yeah. why do we have? To I'm the one who told him not to eat you, boy. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So but you kind of figure it's like, well, you know, it's just he just has a soft spot for Quill. Like there's yeah, there's a soft spot. Yeah. Not I'm a I'm a replacement dad. Yeah. And then we get to volume two. Uh, you know, we find out that ego, you know, is his father living planet who, and who then creates a physical form that, you know, has to return home to, you know, recharge. Right. Don't know why a God needs help falling asleep. That just seemed to be a convenient way to get mantis in there. And okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Man, just that accept that. I didn't understand. No, didn't, she really had no reason the... to be there other than, Oh, Hey, let's not forget. Mantis was a part of the guardians. Let's find a way to shoehorn her in as well. Too. Yeah, I, I just was lost in that. I didn't know if there was anything I was missing. I was kind of like, yeah. Oh, maybe John will tell me, but I was missing like, and maybe it was like, and I can only think of the only thing I can think about was he does have a conscience until that was stripped away from me. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a con like something's keeping him up at night, maybe leaving, leaving Peter on his own and, for kill, that and long. killing all those children, his children. Well, I, we didn't know that yet. Right. Oh, we didn't know yeah, that. Yet. Okay, okay. Okay. But, but maybe just leaving quill on his own for that long and losing, you know, the love of his life that he keeps talking about. And then the things that he's lived through because he's obviously been around for a long time, you know, he, that's all said up until that moment. And you're like, well, maybe he's got like this kind of guilty conscience. It keeps a him bit. from he's, sleeping and, and man, there's some man things just, that he's done. She absorbs a lot of that guilt so he could fall asleep. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. I can accept I, that. That's where I thought okay. until again, until we find the uh, massive amounts of bones, bones uh, <laughs> in the in the cavern the again in this children's movie yeah, yeah in this children's movie we've got a massive amount of bones that were children dying cut to Groot uh, cut to baby Groot real quick cut, cut to, to baby, baby Groot. Groot quick yeah quit quick quick um and then we then I'm then I'm very lost on the fact of like okay then what because he doesn't feel guilty about that at all in fact no. Peter Quill the only reason why he didn't kill Peter was because he had the star in him. He had the light in well, him. Well, he almost brags he, about it. He almost brags about yeah. how. Well, I just and, and like the sequence of events of like when they had the little wax models, which I really liked. By the way, I thought that yeah, was that really was very cool. cool. Mm -hmm. Um, they had the wax models, and they're he's making out with all sorts of aliens, and it's clear he's been impregnating just millions <laughs> just. of millions of, of women and, and female races not women but just female races <laughs> yeah. right and like who knows guys got barely and, time to eat <laughs> dude's getting a meal in occasionally yeah get a sleep get a nap brother so but again it's just you see all of this happen and he clearly feels zero like he gave you know, and that's the big spoiler, right? Is he gave Peter's mom cancer. He actually did that. Uh, he killed Peter's mom to kill any sort um, of tie to her. 
and any sort of tie yeah. like so that way Peter would come after him and then find his power and that was the idea yeah. only Peter wasn't brought back to ego like and because Yondu took him and realized that instead of bringing I realized what he was doing and that's again back to tie into the Ravagers right making all the plot points happen um, that's the thing that that um, that uh, Starhawk is upset about and tell him that's why you're out yeah. because he spent years bringing children bringing back to chil- ego yeah, and before he knows what ego galaxy do- one and he knows what ego is yeah. doing as well too. right and, he knows and he knew doing, that yeah. yeah he knew that he was just using them as as and and finding trying to find this and so that was before galaxy one and then you see where yondu stops bringing you know ego is children is when he finds peter quill and that's when he stops and then you know the the daddy storyline comes in and and out of nowhere out of out like of nowhere we, and like, just we find, like he's been apparently and that's what's so mind-blowing dude and i hate i'm sorry i keep interrupting um that's but fine. that's just so mind-blowing to me is just like all of a sudden we see all these flashbacks of things that apparently didn't mean jack squat to anyone in galaxy volume one nope. but now mean everything to the final moments of this movie yeah yeah it's that's why i firmly believe that yondu in the first one was never intended to be a father figure um in in the script writing process for guardians 2 they're like oh hey how about we do this oh yeah that sounds great and that little line that he says at the end, and that's what bothers me. One of the most things that pulled me out of that whole sequence was he was like, ego may have been your father, but I was your daddy. You know who doesn't say that? That guy. Yeah. That guy doesn't say that. No one, like the guy that's in that position never says that. Everyone else says, you know, ego may have been your father, but I tell you, Yondu, he was your daddy. That's what people say. Not yeah. Yondu. Yondu doesn't say that. And like, again, like, again, no... <laughs> And, and and we're we're expected to accept that despite the fact yeah. that for an entire two hours of a of a part one and an hour and twenty minutes of a part two, we're yeah. never given any indication, any nope. idea that that's how those two viewed each other. And well, I, I of all the people, I mean, there's no you can't sell that to me. You can't yeah. sell it. And and of all the people who should have seen growth between the first one and the second one was star Lord and star Lord yeah. was exactly the same as he was yeah, in the first one. Star, yeah, and in even, and I'm, star, I'm just star Lord. And then after yeah. destroying his father, well, I'm, I'm star Lord. Yeah. I'm star Lord, right? He's still star Lord. And you look, he, and you look the, at all the other, you look at all the other MCU movies, man, every one of them, there's a growth of a character. Even in the Thor movies, which, by the way, Guardians 2, very quickly replacing Thor 2 on the bottom rung of the MCU. But (laughs) we even saw a different Thor between Thor 1, Avengers, and Thor 2. By the time we get to Thor 2, it's a Thor who understands his greater role with Asgard. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with Asgard and Midgard. He can't just be the partying warrior who just, you know, they will all fall before the mighty Odin son. Uh, He's got to work for it, right? Yeah. And he had to earn his position. We we see, obviously, you know, the the growth of Tony. He grows and then he stunts. He grows and then his growth is stunted. Uh, The conflicted (laughs) Steve Rogers, the guilt-ridden Bruce Banner, even Black Widow wrestling with her past and does her past dictate her future. And even though we didn't have much Quicksilver 
Marvel version Quicksilver, not X-Men version, Marvel version Quicksilver, man, you still felt it when he died in, in Age of Ultron and the way yeah, he man. died saving Hawkeye and, yeah. and you know, Scarlet Witch feeling his death. She wasn't, she didn't see, but she felt it. No, she was, yeah. She and she just collapses consumed. to her knees. Yeah. You know, that's why it's okay that I know Guardians, we, wanted, we don't want to make it heavy, but sometimes you got to breathe it. You got to bring that heavy. And the heavy that they brought with the story with Nebula fell flat because then to be followed up with an armpit fart joke, not a literal armpit fart, but I'm being serious. I'm going to go kill my sister. I thought you won't buy dress. You know, Thanos used to rip my parts out. Oh, well, you're always kind of the selfish one, you know, or something stupid like that. Quill sees no growth. Rocket's the only one who sees any growth at all. Yondu yeah. sees a tremendous amount of growth. I, Michael Rooker is the man. He was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> as let's be clear as, about that. It, Michael Rooker. Michael just- Rooker is the man. His Yondu was fantastic. I loved, loved, loved the interaction of Rocket and Yondu working together. Holy cow, that was fun to watch. Um, Rocket's joke of, you know, bring me that guy's fake eye of, off of a joke from the first one. I need that guy's fake yeah. leg. What would you need his leg for? He's going to get up. He's going to be like, where's my leg? Or, you know, he's going to wake up and be like, his eye is going to be gone. And he's going to wonder where his eye is. I was busting a gut over that. I, I, that joke doesn't get old to me. That sequence of, of, uh, a couple of things there that I really enjoyed. One was that sequence of events of Rocket getting, Groot to go get the and that, the that was a good use of baby Groot. It was funny. Great use. Yeah, it was funny. and just coming back and, was, and, the, and he brings back the eye. Yeah, and like yeah. he's got the eye and rocket busted gut. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think getting I loved and I told you this. I said as soon as I saw the trailer, they released it in the trailer. They revealed it. But um, but Yondu getting the full Mohawk fin. Yeah. Oh, very man, cool. I was on board. I was like, dude, that love the full Mohawk. Yeah, fin. very like, cool. That looks rad. Getting getting back to Quill. So, you know, we get the final showdown. And boy, this is where the special effects really took a dump for me. For those of you who remember Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, arguably the worst Star Trek movie of all time. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, Ryan. There's no reason for you to see it. There's no reason for anybody <laughs> to ever see it again. The whole plot synopsis I, is they allegedly go find God. Okay. Oh, okay. And they end up on this planet. And this godlike figure um, makes like a big godlike face. And it's like this talking, like disembodied head, which Ego did made out of rock. It looks stupid. You remember that scene? Remember that part? Yeah. yeah, It looked looked dumb. And I was like, Star Trek V. Wow. James Gunn must be a big fan of William Shatner's directorial debut. (laughs) So we get Ego full, full on God. He's bringing it. The Guardians are way over their head like they've never been before. Drax's knives aren't going to get him out of this. Rocket's endless arsenal, not going to get him out. Gamora's, uh, you know, the planet is attacking. Yeah, you know, Gamora, who is very strong, agile, athletic, um, her ability with weaponry, not going to get him out. And her new alliance with Nebula. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Now, now we're besties. Uh, so it comes down to Quill and Ego and God versus God. And here we go. They set up the stage, buddy. And And I tell you, one of the coolest special effects that I saw 
before you get into this is the star lord's eyes yeah that was a cool effect yeah man he goes when i see eternity and that's a fun uh easter egg too yes i don't want to miss out on that that statement yeah um but yeah but i I thought when they did that to him and then he starts fighting uh, i'll let you go but he starts fighting kurt russell in that i tell you that's i was like man i feel like something we're gonna see some epic well, and it was great and, because and it, you know, it answered the question as to why he could hold an infinity stone in his hand, right? Because that, w- that was right. one of the questions. The first one was like, whoa, wait a minute. How can he hold an infinity stone? Because okay? what's-her-face blew up almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She's like, what's this? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so to play off of a gag that Peter had said earlier, that when he creates his own planet, he's going to have a statue of Pac-Man which was funny when he said it. I get it. I'm a product of the eighties. Pac-Man was, was the business. Ego is fully charged up and just like, you know, flying in Peter's With flying the rocks, in. He like all the rocks, like fully like charged around ego. Dude, I'm ex- rock. Ego yeah. was like punching ready to go. dude. And I'm expecting a full on. I know it's a different comic book company, but I'm full. I'm expecting a full on doomsday Superman duel, just like knockout punch. Like they just both, the shockwave shatters the cave. The cave. This was starts. the moment like, for like, yeah, okay, man. this is comic book come to life and walk a walk a walk a walk a. He turns into Pac Man. Turns into freaking Pac-Man. turns into Pac Man. Pac Man. And I said out loud in the theater, "You have got to be kidding me, Ryan!" Kudos to everybody who sat in that theater with me. Dead freaking silence nobody laughed nobody went oh awesome the entire theater you could tell was like stupid stupid ryan that was dumb no place for there was no place place for it right there james gunn stop it stop it okay just like uh what what what, who'd we talk was it um was it Zack Snyder sniffing his own farts or who was well, it? Well, Zack Snyder um, does like smelling his own farts. That is for sure. Uh, no, it was, um, who was being cute? Um, well, X-Men director. Oh, Brian Singer. Brian, Brian Singer. Well, I was going to say Shane Black and Iron Man three was being real cute too. him and well, Robert Downey okay. playing grab butt with each other for two and a half hours. Yeah. But, <laughs> but <laughs> let's frat frat boys <laughs> making a movie together. But yeah, right. it just, but yeah, Shane, I mean, it was the same idea as, as Brian stinking singer being cute in the movie and thinking that they could just get away with anything. We're Marvel. We can just get away with whatever, man. They We're love Marvel. It. We can throw Pac-Man in there and everybody's going to, and Ryan, I'll tell you this right now, right now, if DC had done something like that, it would have been the oh, most egregious thing ever seen in a movie since like, you know, snuff films. I mean, it would have just been a step above, you know, bondage films that everyone would have just hated it. DC stupid. This is ridiculous. It would have been strung up in the streets. Yeah. Just ready to just pillage. But because it was mighty Marvel and it's hilarious guardians of the galaxy. I am just absolutely shocked at how many people have just swallowed that pill, drank that Marvel Kool-Aid, and are just totally fine with it. 
I tell you, reasonableness. We think that was just an absolute mockery of yeah. of what we're building to with this entire MCU. It it was the it was so far out of place, Ryan. It was so far out of place. Dude, I, I yeah, I think the other the other scene that I you may disagree with me on this one. I don't know. You may not. I don't know. But I didn't. We didn't talk about this yet. Um, was the other setup that was long winded uh, and completely unnecessary, especially with uh, Ego's rant. And it was another moment of where Peter Quill just found out that Ego killed his mother. Peter Quill just found out that Ego has been murdering children for millions of years. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, just without hesitation, I loved that. Honestly, I loved it when he pulls out without hesitation, pulls both of those blasters out and just goes to town on Ego. Yeah, that was right? great. That was great. I'm a little loved raised from my microphone. I'm sorry. Yes, that was absolutely yeah. great. Absolutely. Loved it. I mean, I was like, dude, I was with them. I felt it. I was like, dude, he just without hesitation. And this is after ego had shown him eternity, right? This is after ego had shown him what he is really made of. And he's like, and he goes, and it killed me to put that tumor in your mother. And he's just like, wait a second. You killed my mother. Yeah. And he pulls out, man, just without hesitation. Like, like it. it's a couple of saying, six shooters. Just, just, and just starts ripping him to shreds. And it wasn't, a beat after that when he turns into David freaking Hasselhoff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was a beat after that. And I'm like, you had me, man, you had me one more time. And then you interrupt it. Like you just, you can't let an emotion happen in this. That's not just slapstick humor. And I, and it's, is that that like, as much as I loved it, as and I'm telling you, as much as I loved that sequence of events, just like when ego is starting the the power you know power flight of with the fist in the air, you have me like yes finish it finish here it here we go and then we're gonna get and a then big showdown right here we're and we got that like right when he did that thing and then David Hasselhoff shows up and I'm like bro like you like what yeah I'm out I'm out like yeah, I'm sitting again, and I'm just like being I'm too in cute. and I'm out and I'm in and I'm out being and I'm too in cute and I'm out too cute just every time and i and i it was those moments like especially right in the third act right in the climax of that you find out you know how evil truly evil ego is you find out you know you find out all the things you find out about him you find out that nebula is starting to switch over to you know being more of a system gamora and her yeah, reconciling sort of buy sort the, of a member of the guardians now kind of like half in yeah. half out with the guardians i will know. buy the reconciliation you can you don't have to that's not a high ticket sale there that's yeah. i'm okay i'm on i'm getting there i'll that's fine the hug the yeah like you know, Gamora in the middle of all the emotions. other sh- chicanery, shenanigans. <laughs> I can accept this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's not a high bill of sale for that. Um, but I tell you, it's just just the couple of the, the big shenanigans there at the end, um, where you had, you know, apparently Yondu's been a father that we had no idea, no one had any a clue about, and they never let on at all about. And then you know the the Pac-Man and oh, the David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Like re- all those three right at the end too much. And it's just like too much, too much. You just, and then of course it, it just, the, the baby Groot, like make sure baby Groot's, you know, <laughs> saving the day yep. and putting the bomb on the thing and hitting the right button, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, couple of, you know, you know, fun things, uh, that, that, you know, obviously the, um, 
you know, the quick cameos you saw and you saw Howard the Duck again. Very, that was very cool to see. Uh, yeah. Cosmo. All the, all yeah. them, the, the jumps. Yeah. I, I wanted to go back and watch the movie again just to go try to find, like try well, to really pay attention to all the jumps. And I gotta, I gotta say, man, I gotta love Marvel tipping their hat to the conspiracy theory that Stan Lee is a watcher by having him hang out with the watchers. That was cool. <laughs> so great. It's so great, yeah. dude. That was, I loved that. I loved every second yeah. of, and then I was a mailman. And like, so oh, I, I guess it. is that I Marvel was, finally officially saying that he's a watcher? He's not a watcher. He is, he works with them. He works with them. I know them, that. Yeah. He's in a, he's, he, cause you can tell he's still here because he's wearing the space. That's suit. right. He, that's you know, right. He's, and he's telling him everything you know, he's saying. Yeah. He's just telling him everything. And then I was, and I'd like, I, I, you yeah. know, I'm on board with that. And in that the was middle great. of the bug eye and the big mouth and the woo, yeah. woo, that I was really tired of. Yeah. Um, in the middle of all that, I got the Stanley thing and I just, I, I did. I yeah, chuckled. That was and great. I thought that, that was great. great. <laughs> uh, I, you know, again, Cosmo, uh, the dog makes an appearance. You know, he was a part of that. The, was fantastic. Yeah, Cosmo was great. Uh, actually, Cosmo ends up becoming a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic book. I don't know if they're going to bring yeah. him in in the in the movies. You know, why not? We've had Baby Groot, so why not make Cosmo a part of it? Um, <laughs> you know, well then of course, you know, um, as we kind of you know wrap up, you know, Guardians here, you get the the multiple mid credits um, stuff uh, set up for. Starhawk uh, and their version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Be interesting to see where they go from that. Kevin Fage. I know we're always killing this guy's last name. Um, Fige. Yeah. Uh, He has stated that there are other plans for Stallone's character and these other characters. Now, whether that is standalone or another cameo in Guardians, who knows? But they had some pretty big name people voicing some of those those characters. I know Miley Cyrus is the was the voice of the AI. Um, so you know we'll we'll Ving Rhames as Charlie Twenty Seven. Yeah, so we'll Michelle Yeoh as Alita. Yeah, like. So we'll we'll see where that goes. Again, if you're not into the books, boy, they didn't really give you a whole lot of setup as to who these guys are. They just kind of show up. Uh, uh, Adam Warlock, very cool. If you guys don't know who Adam Warlock is, get in and read some Adam Warlock. They're going to be tweaking a lot of his origin for the MCU. It's going to be a little bit different yeah. than in print, but uh, he plays a huge role in the infinity gauntlet in the comics. So very excited to see uh, Adam Warlock making a uh, debut in the MCU, even though he's still in yeah. his cocoon. So yeah. Um, and then of course, man, Jeff Goldblum's little wink, wink in the end credits. You got to love that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently his his uh he had some more scenes in the movie that were they cut. were cut yeah because I remember yeah, and that's why he was in the in credits like that because he was supposed to have a few more moments of screen to, to kind of set up Ragnarok a little bit um yeah it it could have used a little Goldblum I'll tell you that uh everything could use so a anyway Goldblum, guys though. you know Ryan I don't really have much more to add it just you know at the end of the conversation this was um when when I think of you know sequels in the MCU. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, man, um, th- this is probably one of the biggest letdowns for me. Uh, and, and, yeah. and you know how no, much I'm, I did not enjoy Iron Man three. I have, <laughs> I've come around a little bit on it. It is still not one. of. And so have I, it, yeah, we, to be fair, it's not one of my faves. Right. It's plot holes. You can drive buses through, but there's a lot of gems to be found in Iron Man three. It's not all detritus, uh, just like, and I know it's not all great. Yeah. And just like, <laughs> right. And just like, 
Guardians is not all detritus. There are some gems, but yeah, at least from my perspective, this was a very below average MCU movie. And I don't want to sit here and go, Oh my gosh, I'm worried about homecoming, but I'm worried about homecoming and I'm worried about Ragnarok. I am very worried about Ragnarok at this point. And I'm going to tell you, Ryan, it, I, we all know that at least star Lord and Gamora will be in the infinity war. I don't know about rocket and Groot and Drax, but we know confirmed, uh, star Lord and Gamora will be in the infinity yeah. war. Now I don't know if they're going to be in it through the duration, but the, apparently they are. And, and that was something that uh, Zoe Saldana actually slipped on. She was giving a small interview and she said, well, we've just finished. They just finished shooting actually her sequence inside of infinity war. And she goes, and then we'll be, she accidentally said, and then we'll be going back for gauntlet. So that's kind of yeah, giving yeah. us, so we know gauntlet's going to be like in, you know, the second stage to the infinity war sequence. I so. sincerely hope rocket is in infinity war. I, we've joked. We, I can't imagine. Dude, I want that iron man rocket, you know, banter. That's, <laughs> that's going to be just gold. But I got to tell you, Ryan, um, if they bring some of this, you know, I'm really trying hard to keep this PG rated with my, with my words here. If they, if they bring in a lot of this malarkey turning into Pac-Man, um, jokes every well, 30 he can't seconds. do that anymore we know that at least we know peter quill's not immortal yeah. because the star the that's home true. planet yeah you're right that, you're right yeah destroyed. so he's not, gonna so be he's able not to immortal that. but if they're you know yeah. I, I want to see i understand the guardians are there to bring a little bit of a light-hearted fare i get it okay just like i'm yeah, in man. on the joke with deadpool everybody when we get to the infinity war it's going to be it's going to be go time. It's going to be, it is crunch time. And what I was hoping for was where is going to be the guardians connection to getting to, uh, earth, you know, for the, for the infinity war. Does Quill feel that there is a need to go back to defend chasing Thanos? Who knows? I I would have liked for a little something to give us, I don't know, just something to where, you know, like along the lines, do we know where Nebula went or they're tracking Nebula and just ending with, well, where, what does it look like her location is going to be? And, you know, rockets, you know, typing something in and he's all, you know, Quill looks like earth, you know, something like that. And there's like this, that would have been a great, like, like she's found where Thanos is heading and that's where she's headed. Something like that. And we know that's tough for Quill. We know that's like a hard move for do him. I go, like do I go help protect her? Because he has no idea the Avengers exist, right? No, yeah. They, no they don't know, of the, at least we don't think they do, of the Chitauri invasion of Earth. They don't know about the Avengers. The, um, I guess you can maybe make an argument that maybe Star-Lord and Thor may have crossed paths or Star-Lord, Star-Lord may know about Asgard because, you know, I mean, there is that mm. possibility that he may know. If they show up and Peter Quill recognizes somebody, I'm probably going to lose my mind. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I would say anyone that I could potentially <laughs> be okay with would be Thor, you know, or if Thor were to just simply say, I've heard that name before. That would be Thor would be the only one to know that because of yeah, the gatekeeper. That's right. Of, so if, if, if know. he was to say, I'm star Lord and Thor would say, I have heard that name star Lord, you know, I would be totally okay with that. 
Sure. But like a little cliffhanger like that, that's what I was hoping for. And, and that's what I, that's how I would have played it out. If Disney had asked me to John, write the last, you know, 45 seconds, it'd be Quill. (laughs) She's headed towards earth, you know? Right. And just that, do we follow her? Do we go? So anyway, um, you know, this will not be a repeat viewing uh, in the theater. Sorry, you're not going to get, no. you know, it, it will obviously it be in the home collection. It's got to be, sure, it's got to sure. be there. Um, but man, you know, reasonableness, we just, we walked away from it just going, hmm. feeling, feeling a little, little disappointed. We're sorry. If you guys yeah. were expecting a lot of, you know, high <laughs> fives and we, we're sorry we let you down, but we want to be very honest. Yeah. And that's, and that's all it was. We just want to be very real. Now I do want to finish with some higher notes of the movie. I know we're, we're going to move on to something yeah, we else. Got, we got a couple uh, of things. We many, get many other things actually funny enough, but, um, we, there are some things I do want to just kind of give, uh, some really fun nods, um, to, to what was going on there. And that's a lot of the, uh, a lot of the little Easter eggs. Uh, we mentioned Stanley already a ton of fun from Stanley and his Easter egg. The best one so far, of course, because yeah. it confirms all the little yep. fan theories. He's working with the watchers. Um, yep. Love it. I love that. Uh, another couple things, uh, with, uh, you know, Starhawk and that guardians section. Um, and Michael Rosenbaum, uh, lends his voice to Martin X, uh, which was the glass, you know, the crystal looking guy, yeah. um, which I thought was pretty cool. The the ones that I really liked, though, uh, obviously Yandu getting his fin and uh, the eternity comment that I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Yeah, you didn't mention that. Star-Lord yeah. glimpses eternity. And that's a really fun thing to kind of like, I see eternity. And I think that's really cool um, because the kind of the implications that you see. And it's just like, he obviously has his eyes full of stars. And I thought that was one of the coolest looks for Chris Pratt uh, and Star-Lord at that time to have like his his eyes were as a galaxy in his universe. And um and he could see, he could finally see what his father under, you know, what his father understands, right? As a celestial, his father, you know, kind of understood, understands that kind of thing. Um, we've seen the nod to celestials already with uh, nowhere. Um, we know these things are physical beings, of course. They are, they can be destroyed, of course. Yeah, well, they, they are, can, but they are, they can hold an infinity stone because one's holding they one can, in yeah. the first one, yeah. Right. And that's, yeah, the, uh, the, I can't remember that character's name, but that's could be one of the celestials. Yeah. Um, that is one of the he celestials was, and yeah. we have nowhere, yeah. um, as a celestial. And then we have, you know, uh, ego as a celestial. Um, and they all took physical forms in different ways, but the eternity thing, uh, is a reaches back into like building blocks of, the foundational runs of before the celestials um, and eternity is not just an idea that Peter Quill can see is, and understand he is a character, but a eternity is a being yes. along with eternity. Uh, I think it was the, and, and in fact um, you can actually see on the ground. There's a mural. Uh, and I think, I, I think it was in the first, in the first movie since the first movie showed a temple, there's a temple mural showing infinity uh, eternity, infinity, entropy, and death um, as four characters surrounding yes. six small stones. Of course, the infinity stones. And they and, so and in the you, infinity gauntlet in the books, they fight Thanos. They come together to fight Thanos. Yeah, these characters yeah. do come out. So I think that I was really my phone. Enjoyed, Sorry, everybody, you got to hear a text message. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed um, digging into that a little bit because that was 
uh, something that could be just, it could be just, you know, Star-Lord just saying, I see eternity. But at the same time, this has already been nodded to inside this universe where we do have infinity, eternity, uh, entropy, or I'm sorry, entropy. Uh, you have, yeah, eternity, infinity, entropy, and death. So um, those are four characters, four beings that are essentially the foundational building blocks of the creation of this universe um, from, from, you know, from, the big bang, I guess is if it would were, if it were, uh, but they have essentially are the creators of this. Um, so very, it could be something that'll open up. I doubt it because that is digging into some rabbit holes that can go on for years inside of comic book lore, but probably not inside of the MCU, but very cool, very cool Easter egg there. Um, of course you see the planet's face, you know, you got to see the, uh, the comic book ego, uh, the planet's face. When we kind of zoomed out from ego, the planet, we actually got to see the facial features, which was kind of a nice nod, um, to, to the, to the comic books. So again, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of stuff that we had issues with, of course, you know, no, no movie is without its faults. Um, but, uh, there was a lot of fun things that we still really enjoyed, uh, coming out of this movie from, uh, but again, you know, we still have our, we can still point out some stuff that was, Hey, these are the things that we saw that we didn't really, that pulled us out of what we love about MCU and what we love about this, these movies of imagination. Um, I got home. I remember getting home and, and Lauren asked me, she goes, how was it? And I go, uh, it was a little silly. <laughs> and she goes, wait, you're saying the, the movie with the talking raccoon was silly. And I go, yeah. And she goes, that must've been really bad. <laughs> and I said, yeah. well, it wasn't really bad. I said it wasn't like really bad, but I, but the movie with the talking raccoon was silly. <laughs> it was, so. it was anyway. Cool. All right. That's our, uh, guardians. Wrap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, dude. So, uh, for time's sake, let's get into uh, a little bit of print stuff. Um, guys, you've been super patient with us going long. Uh, last week, man, we had some really great comics hit, from at least from Batman my perspective, 22. three really great titles from three separate companies. Um, yeah, Batman number twenty-two uh, came out. Part three of the button. What an emotional story that was! I texted you the morning I read that. Yeah, man, I'm sitting there holding. I actually bought a physical copy of this one um, with the lenticular cover. Yeah, the one that goes back and forth between, between Flash or Reverse Flash and, and yeah, Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Wayne and Reverse Flash. Very cool. Uh, really, man, talk about just an emotional story. Uh, wow, Bruce. Uh, and really, what what I found so interesting too is the Thomas Wayne that he is speaking to isn't technically his father. I mean, it's right. It's his father yeah. from another timeline another universe yeah but it's yeah. the only father that he's ever interacted with as batman <laughs> yeah right and we find out the the contents of the letter the importance of it and um you know i don't really want to spoil a whole lot about this book because i really want to encourage people to to pick it up you know it's 2.99 digitally 3.99 if you get the physical copy because you get the lenticular you know collectible make sure you get that because you'll be able to retire from it when you sell it yeah that'll, that'll be a yeah, million dollars yeah, later when you sell it um you know <laughs> 25 years from now it'll be worth millions uh it, it's such an emotionally packed story you know, Bruce, you know, wanting to, I got a lump in my throat. Yeah. Bruce, you know, my arms. wanting to tell him that he's a grandfather, that he has a son. Ugh. 
Uh, Thomas telling Bruce, don't be Batman. Don't let this dictate your life. Uh, spoiler alert, Bruce is not going to stop being Batman. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. <laughs> he just can't give up being Batman. But man, just uh, side by side, yeah. just standing side by side and fighting. Like, yeah, just the, the two Batman fighting off um, the combined. If you've read the Flashpoint, you know about the, the war that rages between Atlantis and, and uh, New Themyscira. Uh, between Aquaman and Wonder Woman who were lovers and then Wonder Woman killed Aquaman's wife and that's what kind of just sparked the whole war that envelops war. the Flashpoint yeah. universe. Uh, and the, the tide of that battle turned based off of the events that the Thomas Wayne, when he, when he uh, killed Reverse Flash, and it changed the course of that war, and now they focus their attention on Batman, and they're storming. Yeah, they're storming the you know just run down Wayne Manor because Thomas Wayne has absolutely just abandoned everything that has to do with the Wayne family, and has just been engulfed as Batman. I mean, that's yeah, all he, he does. Yeah. That's all yeah. he does. There is no alter ego. Thomas Wayne doesn't exist. It's Batman exists. Thomas yeah. Wayne is gone. Yeah. That's it. yeah. And he is a he is a standard vigilante. He has no problems with. Uh, he will gun you down. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just standard vigilante. We talked about that I think last week yeah. or last time when we talked about. Doesn't that. have the finesse and style that Bruce has. He's not a detective. Sure. He's not worried about no. unraveling the truth. It's just it's nope. it's kind of like if Frank Castle put on the cowl is essentially yeah. what it is, right? <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just Frank Castle as Batman is what you get with Thomas Wayne. And yeah. just a great storyline. You know, Flash really doesn't have a, a lot of dialogue in the book. It's very Thomas and Bruce centered. Um, it, a, I think it's a great example, Ryan, that comic books can be outstanding literature. It, it's yeah, not just about guys in tights, girls with big boobs, guys with big muscles and big guns sure. beating up bad guys. Um, yeah, that's a part of it, but, um, it can also be amazing literature and in 25 very brief pages, you can tell a very compelling story that when you're done for me, I know you're in agreement. I was just like, wow, that I was, I couldn't believe that was fantastic storytelling. It was really was, man. It really was fantastic. I couldn't help but I knew you probably weren't going to read it right away. As soon as I got it on digital, um, I've subscribed to it essentially. And I knew you weren't going to read it right away. And I didn't obviously didn't want to spoil anything, but it was spoiler alert that it's going to be great. You know, uh, <laughs> great doesn't even give it justice, dude. It and just so I, I know I texted you probably it was like four in the morning or something when I got a hold of it for you. And I, and I had read it like really early in the morning uh, and just, because I couldn't, I just was looking forward to it so much. And I, I tell you, after putting it down, I just could not help it. I just like, man, this is, this is something else. And, uh, you're right. And I think well, that's what, that's what gives the comic book the charm. And I think you don't have a, you have 25 pages to tell the story. You don't have, you don't have endless amounts of space to just get, you know, to make an issue worth $3 for someone to pay, you know, for someone to pay any amount of money, uh, to pick up something that to invest in, you have to tell a piece of a story so well that they're going to make, you're going to make sure that they're going to go out and get the other, the other set. Yeah, Cause well. I mean, this I is part three of four, to, know. you know, this, this isn't the yeah. finale. This wasn't the, the intro. 
I don't really want to go too much more into it because, man, I really want to encourage people to to purchase this book and really, yeah, it is great. It, it, it is really and great. even if you're not into DC, if you're you know kind of maybe on the outskirts, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I want to jump into this. You don't even necessarily have to read parts one and two, which would be Batman number twenty one, Flash number twenty one. Or, you know, wait for Flash 22. You and I are on pins and needles waiting for Flash number 22. Oh, my goodness gracious. That book could not come out yeah, fast enough. Yeah, please. Can we have it right now? Um, that if you just <laughs> simply picked up Batman number 22 and just read it as a standalone book with no intention of, of following the button storyline or the rebirth storyline, you're going to be just fine. You're going to walk away from that and go, what an amazing, emotional <laughs> impact book and and i think it's yeah. going to be something that's that this isn't a throwaway moment for bruce wayne batman that yeah. this is something that he is going to carry with him in ongoing stories going forward mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways you know, if you've been reading Rebirth or if you've read a lot of New 52, uh, Bruce it, is not going to be winning Father of the Year awards uh, with Damian uh, Wayne. Um, Bruce pretty much is like father, like by kind of like by the book, you know, which is an interesting contrast to how uh, Kal-El is raising, you know, his son. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. very much a you know, very hands-on, very, you're going to respect our abilities, but we're going to live without taking advantage of our powers, right? Very much Pa Kent. Yeah. Um, You know, there's a moment where, you know, John says, well, can't we just use our powers and we could rebuild this farm? Like really quick. He's like, yeah, we could do that, but we wouldn't learn the lesson of hard work. And you're just like, yeah, that's, that's Pa Kent talking, right? Which I think, which Batman, uh, sorry, uh, Bruce Wayne and Damien, he would essentially just make Damien do the work, not telling him how to do it. Though. Yeah. You'll just figure like, it not out. Not really walking him through the reasons why yeah, they're doing it. Just do it because well, I said to, you know, said to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's Bruce, right? Do it because I said it, not because you need to figure out why. Well, you know, Kal El, uh, <laughs> you know, the much more experienced in life and understood and had a different, very well, he had a dad. Uh, that raised him, and he had a mother that raised him and loved him. Um, while you know, Bruce was with Alfred. You know, Alfred was probably great, but at the same time, he was there to serve him. Yeah. Um. You know, he didn't. He. Uh, you know, what can you do? He, Alfred did Alfred have children? I can't no, remember. I don't think probably he did. in some. I don't think he did. I don't think he did either. But you know, he raised. You know, he raised uh, Bruce, and that's kind of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So Batman number 22, great read. Absolutely enjoyed it. Something to note about Batman Batman in this uh, series, I noticed um, not too long ago, um, but uh, the Batman is actually written by Tom King, who, is, who I was talking about weeks ago with the Vision story um, and how great that story is. And he's actually going on to write some more of that, uh, some more of the Marvel Universe there. But this story is not, it's not penned or drawn by Tom King, but it is written by Tom yes. King. And, I, and I, I praised Tom King's writing with the Vision, uh, with Vision, and uh, how good that was and, and how compelling that story was. Um, and I'm glad to see uh, Tom King on paper again, especially in this storyline, because the Batman part of this, the Flash is not written by Tom, but Batman is. And I tell you, 
this is the caliber of Tom King. Yeah. Um, and now I've kind of like, it's kind of like that nice being able to say, you didn't read vision. You kind of let me, you know, you didn't follow along with that, but I'm telling you, this is where that's Tom King's writing. It's like, so this is the caliber in which he brought into vision. This is the caliber in which he brings into a lot of things, but yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on um, the other two big books because um, I know that there's a little something that you want to get to. But uh, Images, Youngblood, number one, um, another reset, another redo of Youngblood uh, came out. We're getting some we're getting some, you know, we're getting that problem, that thing that we talked about. Not. Uh, weeks yeah, ago. it's going into get it. this back in print. Get it back in the hands right. of people. If you want to start an extreme universe, start one. But give us some foundation. Give us some new stuff. That's right. And so. Um, I'm not going to dig into it too much for time's sake, but young blood number one, I also got a hard copy of that one too. Uh, Cause again, you know, the first young blood in 93 was 150 bucks on the aftermarket. So this one's got to be that much too. Right. So uh, very cool read. Uh, Rob Leefield uh, did the art for the cover, did learn how to draw feet. It looks like, so that's good. We got a lot, a lot less <laughs> yeah. pouches on shaft there. Yeah. He's doing all right. He's doing okay. <laughs> Does not do the artwork in the book itself. He handed that over uh, to another artist. Very, very interesting reintroduction into Young Blood. Very excited for it. Um, I did tweet out to to Rob, uh, congratulating him on it going into a second printing, which is very, very good. So that means the market is there for it. They do want some Young Blood, but I encourage them. I say keep the stories tight, keep them focused. Just continue to just reintroduce these characters back into the comic book world because Youngblood had some really cool characters and don't treat this like it's 1993 again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That style of comic is, is over and done. So um, break it open. Yeah. So very, we want to see, we want to see depth. Absolutely. So very excited for that. Um, and I can go into some more of this uh, next time we convene. But Secret Empire number zero and number one, thoroughly enjoying the Secret Empire storyline, not enjoying the rabbit trails I'm having to go down for all the ancillary books that I'm going to have to read to get the full uh, picture, but really enjoying where they're going with, you know, Hail Hydra, Steve Rogers. So uh, enjoying Secret Empire uh, as well, too. So. But like I said, we can go into more of that on the next show because I know that you want to get to a little something that's on Hulu. Uh, but that's that's what. Uh, so the three big books from last week, I, I got to say, bought all three: Batman twenty two, Young Blood number one, Secret Empire number one. Enjoyed all of them. Thought they were really great reads. Recommend that you Good, guys pick man. them up. I, d- I don't expect a Marvel book to be bad, and that's and I and I think we may have. I don't know if we've ever put that out there like that. I never expected Marvel to issue a poor poorly written comic book um we only had issues with the price tag on the on the on the box and so i think uh understanding that secret empire i've always understood the secret empire is a good read um and you know john after john read it he was just like dude this is solid like yeah, it's that's solid a good writing read, i i'm really enjoying i it. expect it to be great i really do it's just you've got a lot of you've got a lot of selling to do to sell that for five to six dollars <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know once you pick it up and give it a chance i'm sure you maybe get hooked and then you that justifies the price tag but i tell you when you know tom king on the other side of things i don't know that's a tough one to, to start splitting money about. Uh, there are some news things I kind of want to talk about a little bit um, before we wrap up the show with the last bit of, of things. The one thing that I I tweeted out um, the other day uh, was understanding a Hellboy reboot after the Hellboy talks were shelved um, with Guillermo del Toro and uh, Ron Perlman. 
Guillermo del Toro is not will no longer be involved in Hellboy movies. Um, and no longer will Ron Perlman reprise his role as Hellboy. I enjoyed Hellboy one and two. I think they're worth a rewatch. I just, they have a charm to them that I think only Guillermo del Toro brings because of all of the practical effects and the practical costuming that he does. I really enjoy the heck out of that. Hey, Ron Perlman's getting um, a little, little long in the tooth though, isn't he? What do you mean? I mean, like, isn't he getting like up in his sixties? Well, he's getting old, I guess. You have a little bit more of an affinity for the Hellboy movies than, than I do. And that's okay. That's okay. I I really, I, you know, I appreciate the first one. The second one, the, was it the golden army? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Mm, It's all right. There's, I mean, the lore is neat. You know, he got, there's a lot of really, uh, the, that's the thing. Like the lore kind of takes over some of the, some of the missteps in the movie that, that weren't exactly just didn't pull the charm from the first one. Uh, the first one is full of charm though. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's got the practical effects. Um, the costuming again, I can't say it enough, man. Guillermo del Toro knows what he's doing. If you guys, uh, haven't seen pan's labyrinth, uh, <laughs> that is an excellent example of Guillermo del Toro's Disturbing. directing. And, yeah. Uh, great that imagery. Is some of the best. Yeah the best practical effects I've seen in a movie. And so he brings some of that inside of the golden army movie with the, uh, the angel that uh, I think it's death, uh, that saves Hellboy uh, in that, in that particular uh, movie. And he's got the eyeballs on the wings and stuff. Yeah. And it's cool, man. He does a great job. Um, I know, uh, I think it's the guy from stranger things is being confirmed as the new Hellboy, uh, the, the sheriff, I can't remember his name now. Um, oh, uh, David Harbor. Yeah, David Harbor. So he's confirmed as the new Hellboy. They're rebooting the whole series uh, with someone else, and they're going to be going after that. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss Guillermo del Toro. I'm going to miss that directive vision, um, and I will be proven wrong, and I will eat crow all day long if it's great and fantastic, but um, I don't know. I'm, I can't say that I'm super thrilled about uh seeing that reboot happen versus a number three happen um so i i don't know neil i think our our buddy norm on twitter said it best we'll get amazing hellboy amazing hellboy number two and then that'll get canceled for (laughs) you know a reboot so (laughs) possibly (laughs) we'll see uh the other thing i i kind of want to mention uh inhumans is finally getting some uh press uh as the fox um tv show i tell you those costumes look more embarrassing uh than anything else if you have seen the pictures of inhumans i think that is um i don't know where they put the production budget but it wasn't inside of costumes that's for sure those look embarrassing and they should feel bad because it is bad (laughs) that's really all i kind of have to say about that yeah i would agree (laughs) uh judge dread is getting a tv show though so that's pretty cool um so we're seeing Judge Dredd come to the to the small screen. I am just more or less just kind of interested in this, uh, more than being completely thrilled about it. Um, I've always loved the Carl Urban one. You guys know that's in my top five because of the uh, how it is close it is to the comic books, um, and that's the reason why it's been so great. You know, uh, a lot of people really seem to like that because of that, and that's why it's got the following that it does. Um, but we're gonna see Judge Dredd pulled into a television show um, and we'll see how kind of that plays out. Speaking of TV, we also have Donald Glover getting the chance to 
produce his uh i think it's either he's producing or he's just acting in it uh but he will be on deadpool um tv show these are getting an animated series uh for a deadpool television show which i know if uh John had to step away, but that's all right. Uh, yeah, he'll love talking more about Deadpool, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Uh, John, I just did mention, I have to tell you, I just did mention the Deadpool television show from Donald Glover and FXX that they're doing. Yeah, I did. I had, Sorry, guys. I had to step away from uh, the desk. <laughs> I sent Ryan a text. I'm like, Ryan rant. Yeah, I'm like, keep talking. I need to get a charger for my MacBook Air. Uh, as I look over it, I'm like, oh, eight percent battery let me go, let me good. plug this in uh so yeah so thank you guys as i stepped away there for a second um yeah deadpool cartoon series can't wait it's gonna be the best thing ever i'm gonna be, be- <laughs> i'm gonna be bellowing in laughter from beginning to Just end the belly laughing let yeah. the belly be laughing begin. yeah now it's being produced on fxx which does host one of my favorite television shows it's always sunny in philadelphia yeah, you're a fan of that one man you so, like it I do. I I think it's it's uh, that show. I have found myself laughing all by myself at, and I think uh, <laughs> that's uh, a sign of a good know. show, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, being that they're behind some of the production, I'm not saying you can't hit, you can't just nail gold, you know, goldens or home runs every single time. But I know they do the league as well, which is another really good solid comedy. Um, and uh, we'll see. You know, uh, we'll see. Uh, with Deadpool, I think we said it last week. I'm kind of Deadpooled out. You know, we'll, you know, there we go. So, all right, more Deadpool. Yeah, um, endless supply of Deadpool. Last thing in TV, though, is Powerless is canceled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, does anyone see that coming? <laughs> does anyone shed a tear over that? Shock and surprise uh, for that. So, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know why I have this note in here. I take notes throughout the week. And I always just write them down. I always kind of make sure, you know, talk about the news items and stuff like that. I don't know why I have this note in here, but I have this note in here that says, I'd rather watch the Fast and the Furious franchise than watch a Doctor Who episode. And I don't know why I have that in there. It's true. It's because it's very true. (laughs) Dude, we're going to, dude, we're going to upset some people with that statement. But reasonable fanboy, I'm just kind of like a thousand yards staring right now into the corner of my room. A reasonable fanboy's official position on Doctor Who, two words. It's very simple. You'll always remember it. It sucks. (laughs) 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 Uh, So, you know, and that's what's funny. I think that's what I got it from is, you know, that guy at work I told you about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. How we always get messages from Fast and Furious stuff. Oh, hey, which, by the way, um, enjoy your little run, Fast and Furious, at least domestically. For as much as we wrinkle our nose at Guardians Volume 2, it's a knocking on your door. Oh, yeah. Disney like, does not yeah. relinquish their top spot for very long. And if, <laughs> and if Guardians doesn't get it, then The Last Jedi will. So oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's another <laughs> one, too. Fast and Furious fanboys, remember that Star Wars is just around the bend. <laughs> so anyway, the buddy, the guy at work, I tell you about, yeah, uh, kind of told him, told that story a couple weeks ago. I always get this fast and furious stuff from him, yeah, and he keeps sending it to me, and I finally, I finally got him to stop, and that's how I got him to stop. <laughs> I, told him, I said, hey man, I said, I guess here's the deal. You're right. I could love the Fast and the Furious. He's like, of course you could. You'd love the Fast and Furious. I said because if it was between 
watching the same amount of Doctor Who <laughs> than I would watch Fast and Furious every day of my life. Oh, man. To never watch an episode. And I've watched an episode of Doctor Who. I've watched a few. I've got my litmus test in. Ryan no, is out. No, can't do I'm it. I'm out. Can't do it. I cannot do it. Can't do it. Um, a lot of fans out there about it. Good for y'all. That is awesome. You know, love your television. Um, but uh, woof, that is a that is a tough TV show to even yeah, get into. David Tennant, just let you guys know, I have been watching a show called Broadchurch, which is nothing to do with comics and nothing to do with anything like that. It's a very, very solemn show, and it's a very heavy show um, on Netflix. David Tennant is the head of that show, and no, David Tennant cannot carry Doctor Who for me, and I know he's a doctor, so <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> can't do it so uh, i had that in my notes i figured dude, i might as well so talk good. about it because it's in my notes so there you go <laughs> official official positioning no one asked but we're gonna tell you <laughs> so um, it goes man the other thing the 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 two the last two things i got uh is a couple of of really awesome stories that I got to watch um, recently, and one of them is and one of them is actually brought to us by uh, a friend of what we mentioned him a couple times as we as we go through a week. But Norm, he actually kind of showed this out to me, and I'd seen it on Hulu, um, and I subscribed to Hulu for a few shows, and um, I had seen it on Hulu, and I said, well, I'm definitely going to watch that. I'm going to get to it, uh, but you know, it's not in my got to watch it right now you know, Q. So, um, but I made time for it and, uh, it's a, it's a Hulu documentary called Batman and bill. And this to make a long story, a very long story, very short comparatively. Um, Batman is noted, uh, as you know, being created by Bob Kane and you'll see Bob Kane written everywhere where Batman is, is, has been, uh, has been distributed. Uh, every single, TV show, every every episode of the TV television show, every movie, every every comic book, um, Bob Kane is credited solely as the as the creation of Batman. And wonderful thing about this movie is that it goes through and it says, you know, Bob Kane was a visionary. Uh, Bob Kane had a really great idea, um, but he wasn't alone. Uh, but he struck the deal alone. And, uh, that's where publishing got into it. And, but there was another guy behind the scenes that everyone does need to know about. And his name is Bill Finger. And Bill Finger is actually the guy that, uh, designed Batman's costume. Bill Finger is, is the guy who designed uh, Batman's storyline. Um, he is the one behind the scenes. He was one behind Bob Finger as they sat in the room because Superman was just been created. Um, the Superman, Kurt, Superman uh, was getting published and Bob Kane saw an opportunity and Bob Kane jumped on it and he said, I'm going to create another character. And the character that he created, you'll see some of the original sketches and it's really cool to see all these original sketches. Uh, but Batman looked nothing like he did after Bill Finger got a hold of him. <laughs> he was blonde. He had the uh, just the eye covering. He uh, had a red suit with black shorts mm -hmm. um, and didn't have a symbol of a bat anywhere near him. Uh, he had a he had uh, a bat wings that were connected to his arms that he would actually flap. Yes, uh, to get around. And when Bill Fing he brought that to Bill Finger, and Bill Finger was just like, "Dude, you no, 
Like, let's do this right. And so he designed the chest emblem. He designed the dark suit, the cowl, the iconic Batman that we all know and love. And Bill Finger never got credit. Never got credit for this. He died. Um, and we say this a lot, and it's this time it's really, really true. Bill Finger died penniless. Um, Bill Finger died and was buried in an unmarked potter's field. Um, potter's field was for family who could not take care of this was early in the i think it was in the in the 70s is when he when he died um but bill finger died and when he died no one was there to take care of him he was alone no family no history and that's what the coroner's report said no family no history and i think and it was sad to even see that especially in the context of what he's created um and it meant no family history that's what the coroner's report actually meant like no family history but when you see no history uh, written in a coroner's report, like it's heartbreaking to even understand yeah. that this guy just passed away with nothing. And in fact, he was so penniless and no one knew he was even dead except for the person that found him. Uh, they found him on his couch watching television. Uh. Television was still on and this was days, days or weeks after he passed away. Um, just rigor mortis on the couch. Uh. And so he, he was buried in a potter's field, unmarked grave. Um, well, I say the unmarked, but they're numbered. But they're not record. The records are not really kept. Um, and so for a few years, he had a son that uh, that uh, that tried to tried to get Bill Finger's name recognized. Uh, the son ended up passing away in the 90s. Um, and so when this guy that actually sought out all these history, he's finding dead end after dead end after dead end. And uh, turns out Bill Finger's son had um, a daughter. And he found the daughter and talked to her and they end up kind of going forth into like the legalisms of, uh, of what DC used to do and DC to try to pay her off. That's what's kind of interesting. Yeah. DC tried to give her some checks to, to keep her shut and say, Hey, thank you. Here's $20,000, you know? And it's like, that's hush money. And it really was hush money because when they released another movie and they didn't give Bill Finger any credit, they gave her another check. And they didn't give Bill Finger. And she's like, I don't want this check. I want his name attached to it. So they, after years of fighting, after years of getting this story public, um, they, if you look at Batman versus Superman, the opening credits, Dawn of Justice, the opening credit sequence, Batman was created by Bill Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Nice. And that is the first time, and I'm getting chills, I get a little choked up talking about it, uh, but that is the first time that Bill Finger has ever been credited with his actual creation. Um, this led me into another story that I ended up finding um, that, I, and I don't have the name written down, I feel so irresponsible, um, but uh, the guy who created Rocket Raccoon, um, we just finished talking about Guardians. Uh, after I saw this documentary, I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit, and I found out that the guy from Rock, the guy that who created Rocket Raccoon, has been rotting in a nursing home oh. uh, for thirty some odd years. He had an injury when he was when after he had kind of done all the creation of Rocket Raccoon, he had an injury when he was really young and ended up getting mentally it was a it was a, a brain damaged and hasn't been able to take care of himself since and this has been decades uh that he's been just sitting in a nursing home they found him 
uh, and it, it's not being, it's not a movie or anything yet, but they found him and they, they actually pulled him out and the, the proceeds from like guardians proceeds from comic book sales, all of that is being back is almost like being just retroactively back on the creator to pull him out of that home. And now he's, he's actually with family. He's actually living in a house next to his brother who's taking care of him. And I think that's cool. As, as we, as we enter in this age of, we, we talk a lot about, and I think it's actually talked a lot about this age, this age of the internet and how it's used. And we see it every day. We see it being used for evil, you know, in our real world um, that affects real people every single day. We also get to see these stories start to come out because of the power of information and the power of being able to trace even just hereditary lines through internet resources. And uh, we saw Bill Finger get the respect and get the credit that he deserved years ago that he never got. And now the family of him and his descendants will be able to will be able to point, be able to point pride and say like we can stand up and say it's not just Bob Kane anymore right it's it is it is our it is our grandfather that helped create this character and the well and it's the same with Rocket Raccoon how he's being able to be back with family and pulled out of this rotting in a nursing home for years he's he's back where he needs to be and his family is getting what they deserve it's, and he, his legacy is being held. It's the dark side, uh, the dark underbelly of the, of the big comic book business. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, DC has had several, several go arounds with the family of, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, the creators yeah. of Superman. What they got a hundred bucks for Superman. Yeah. And really not getting, you know, a fair shake. And for a while, you know, the Superman was in the courts and that's why a lot of Superman movies were put on hold. That's why, you know, Superman books, uh, took a back seat, uh, mm-hmm. a lot to Batman and Titans and wonder woman and titles like that is they were, they were playing dirty pool and it's like, Oh, okay. You want yeah. all this money for Superman? Well, well, we can fix that desire. We're just not going to push the red, white, and blue all that much. And, you know, just in case. And so, you know, you got this, you know, issue with Bob Kane and and Bill Finger. Uh, Marvel just as guilty with Jack Kirby. The guy had to, you know, work uh, until he was dead. And, you know, retroactively, you know, revisionist history. History is always written by those who won. Uh, Stan Lee gets credited for creating a lot of Marvel characters that let's be very honest. He created with Jack Kirby or Jack Kirby created and Stan Lee just kind of gets credited for it because he was hanging around in the office at the time. And, you know, that was one of the big reasons for image comics. So the founders of image were all, you know, sat at the feet of Jack Kirby worshiped at the house of the church of Kirby, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, this, this industry that we love, um, comic books and we love to read it. It's great literature. It can, it can make you cry. It can make you laugh. It can make you groan. It can make you hate it. it can make you love it. It does, you know, it does have a, 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 a mean spirited side to it in that it is a business. And, 
to your point, it's great that we have these tools now um, with the internet and researching that, uh, yeah, you know, Bill Finger deserves a little bit of recognition um, for creating uh, a character that is not just comic book. It, it's a pop culture, American culture, Western culture that has permeated world culture. I mean, you can throw up a bat signal, you know, in Tokyo and people are going to know exactly yeah. who that is. You know, yep. you can throw up a Superman shield in Moscow, Russia, and they're going to know who that is. That's Superman. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they should be, you know, compensated in these old contracts, you know, you know, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel, a hundred dollars for Superman. And Superman is a franchise. I mean, that's a that's a business on yeah. its own, you know. And that, and that was in the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. But I mean, still, still, you're talking about maybe you're talking about a few thousand dollars now. Um, but for okay. what Superman delivers in revenue for DC Comics is redonkadonkalous. I mean, it is a brand. It's a brand yeah. that yeah. almost in some ways, you know, Superman and Batman are a brand that almost eclipses the label DC itself. Some people don't even know yeah. that's that you know, it's like, oh, that's DC Comics. What? Yeah, it's this the company that owns them, DC Comics. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just like Superman comics. Superman. Superman comics or yeah. Batman Superman. comics. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, I don't subscribe to to Hulu, um, but I'm very interested in in seeing that. Uh, unfortunately, it's a Hulu exclusive right now, so there are ways around that. I could do a little free trial, make up a little email and get a free trial to uh, to get <laughs> yeah. caught up on that. But yeah, I think that's a good thing to end the show on is what a what a bright spot that is that, um, yeah. you know, a couple of gentlemen who, you know, loved comics and, and loved creating characters. And um, one of them, you know, thankfully stepped in and made some changes to a certain Batman. Cause I don't know if that Batman would be, <laughs> we wouldn't, we wouldn't know. Batman. Yeah. He, yeah think, it wouldn't be as appealing as he is today. He looked a little bit like a clown. Um, we wouldn't know. Yeah. Him. We wouldn't know that character. I think that character may have died out years ago. Well, it may, no it may not have made it. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, or someone who um, took the risk to make, a spacefaring raccoon um yeah you know and now you know rocket raccoon is becoming a very big brand in and of himself he's a home name and that's what's interesting yeah. is rocket raccoon people know rocket raccoon until, now yeah up until a couple years ago rocket raccoon was not uh just a household no, name outside of the outside of is. the nerd cage and rocket raccoon yeah. was not a well-known character good stuff man good stuff guys we gave you another long one this week oh yeah i know thank you so much for listening to us uh, can yeah. i ask a big favor of all of our reasonableists if you listen to us on a well this is almost a a bi-weekly this time around uh we ask that you do a couple of things However you catch us, whatever your podcast catcher is of choice, hit that subscribe button. If you're just downloading an episode when it just happens to show up, you're like, oh, I forgot about these guys. Just hit the subscribe button and we'll just show up in your, in your feed, waving our, our, our hand saying, hey, remember us? Please subscribe. Yeah. Also, please review us. We want to hear what you have to say about us. Um, you know, we want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. You know our Twitter handle. What's our Twitter handle again, Ryan? I always forget it. it took me forever to log <laughs> on a few weeks ago. <laughs> RFBPC. There you go. At the Twitter, yep. 
We love talking with you guys. Love tweeting. You're probably going to, you know, I've been tweeting a little bit more, but I think I'm going to take a cue from Ryan. I'm going to put a little dash J when it's me. There's a little bit of confusion. Is, is this Ryan talking? Is this John talking? Ryan will post a couple things and I'll kind of show up like a day later and be like, yeah, Ryan isn't too excited about this, but John kind of likes it. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we lo- we love interacting with you guys. So, uh, thank you for your patience on this one. If you haven't seen Guardians Volume Two, go see Guardians Volume Two. Please yeah. go see it. Okay, go see it. Go see it. Just because we have an opinion on it does not mean it needs to be your opinion on it. And we want to hear your opinion on Guardians Volume Two. Uh, we are yeah. not the final words or the final authorita. On Guardians Volume yeah. 2, all right? So if you haven't seen it, go see it. Don't say, oh, well, John and Ryan kind of thought it was, you know, a little lukewarm, so I don't want to go see it. Don't do that. Don't do that. If, if, go that's, see if it. that's where you're at with us, I don't know what to do. Yeah, know I don't know how to help you. Yeah. <laughs> go see it and make your own determination on it. And if you yeah. guys have saw it already and you loved it and you think we're all wet, man, we're just two guys with an opinion, then we're wet. And you're, if you're in your opinion, if you're like, you guys are all wet, it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Cool, dudes. You're not, you're not going to get an argument from us. That, that was just our perspective on the movie. That's all it was. For sure. That's all it was. I do want to say as we, as we wrap, as we do wrap up our night, um, it is evening for us or for us right now. So, um, I do want to say this, uh, if, uh, as you, subscribe and thank you for doing so if you already have and thank you for still listening to this if you if you're like gosh they're getting the end credits and they're asking me to do all the things i've already done um (laughs) definitely make sure you guys check out uh of course we have a sister show uh that john is a a host of um saucy riffs and tasty licks and what i have to say is that uh we have a we have our logo reasonable fanboys got a logo a while back out of pity um, because of a, because <laughs> of a few, you know, copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah. They were so good. You know, we, we edged on copyright infringement. It was, the logo was that good. Um, but we have a friend, Jeremy uh, Wallace, uh, who, who designed our logo and we couldn't be more proud of it over here at reasonable. Love and uh, love the logo. I love the logo. Got, it's so good, and uh, it's it's really good. I can't get enough of this logo. Uh, but Jeremy did lean, lend his skills again over to Saucy Riffs and Tasty Licks. And if you did subscribe before, you got to see Rex and John's uh, fun no, faces. Brother, on the I'm going to pimp it all day for no, you. No, no, um, yeah, there was time for that to go. <laughs> but I tell you, the logo that has been designed for Saucy Riffs and Tasty Licks is worth the subscribe button just oh, to take a look at the logo. You. Yes, if it you is. haven't, if you haven't been listening one, you need to listen to that show. Cause it is, it is hella awesome. And I said, hello. And <laughs> you get a, you get an unbridled is, John. So if you ever wonder what John sounds like when he doesn't have a PG rating put on him, <laughs> listen to saucy riffs and tasty, licks, listen to saucy riffs and, and you'll get licks. the R rated John. If you really want to know yeah. what R rated John sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about the show over here a little bit. I know John's talked about it because he's a host of it. Uh, co-host. But co-host. Co-host. With, with, co-host with Rex. Flexing Rexy um, Diamonds, yes. Definitely not leaving out Rexy Diamond. But the uh, but I tell you, if you haven't checked it out for any other reason, please go look at that new logo. I can't get enough Yeah, man, dude, you're, you're, you're a straight-up fangirl over that new logo, I, man. 
Dude, I am super fan on this new logo. It is badass. 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 I tell you, that logo <laughs> is killer. It's a it's really awesome. It's a skull logo. It's got saucy wrists and tasty licks across the eyeballs. I tell you guys. Uh, Jeremy, uh, thank you again for delivering on some awesome graphic artwork that, that we get to use over here. Um, I tell you, you are killing it, brother. You know how to, you know what work is needs to be done and you do it right. And he, and I tell and he you, was that super, logo, he was super patient with us as well too. There, there is no, uh, yeah. saucy riffs, tasty licks this week or certle, certle turtles that we call our listeners reasonableists. Yeah. Right. We call our Surtle Turtles or our our listeners. Rex is back home in North Dakota there this weekend. North Dakota. North Dakota there at the Arby's. Holy. He's over there talking with Barb in that horsey <laughs> sauce, uh, visiting uh, family for Mother's Day. So we oh, good for him. we are on a little just a just a little one week break. We will be back in your ears if you subscribe to that show as well too next weekend. So fear not. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to be giving. Excuse me. We're going to give Jeremy some love on the next show. A little bit of a process. Uh, there were several different logos that they came our way, and and um, um, so you know we. I don't want to say settle because that sounds like well we just settled on the best. You know, wasn't that we're just like this? That's the one we came to an agreement on, and I know I am super proud of it. I literally got tired of looking at Rex and I's ugly mugs at a Motley Crue concert. <laughs> By golly, if I was tired of looking at it, everybody had to have gotten tired of looking at it. It's funny because some people were like, well, you know, it just, it's kind of endearing. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> ugly. Okay. There's nothing endearing about that whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, as awesome as that picture oh, was, geez. this picture is better. It's better. It's better. It's, yeah. it's, it is better. Now I hate saying that because I love your face, John. I oh, really thank do. you. But that logo, I'm telling you, I am a fanboy. That's why I started talking. That's why I wanted to bring it up. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I love it so much. I do too. I love it's. It's a great Take, logo. It's a great logo. Go look at that logo. It fits perfectly on your iPhone screen. It does. It Android does. It makes great iPhone wallpaper. And yeah, and it, it fits perfectly in that position. So make sure you check it out. Just look at it perfectly in that spot. Hit play, and it'll show up on your screen like that. And just leave it there and listen to the show because it's really. And good you anyway. know, guys, we uh, boy, we, I feel like we're just like our our, our bonus and credit scenes scenes seem to go on forever here tonight too we do have some pretty cool plans for logos for for both shows as well too um we view those that's our branding that's what you know identifies both shows so um we got some ideas of you know shirts and stickers and cool stuff like that that we could potentially yeah. do as giveaways and or you can buy them if you want um so yeah so there's some cool stuff coming um the, this whole little thing that we that the three of us got you know uh together doing shut up dog and saucy wrist tasty legs reasonable fanboys you know sometimes the gears spin very quickly sometimes they spin very slowly but things are coming together very nicely and and we just uh absolutely love the fact that we have cross pollination between both shows we've got listeners who listen to both some people just listen to rex and i because they think we're hilarious and they could care less about heavy metal and hard rock they're just like you guys are cracking me up i don't know what you're talking about uh, we've got people <laughs> listen to saucy riffs who listen to ryan and i and they're like you guys and these comic books but i can tell you guys love it i just love to hear you guys so we just think everybody who listens and everybody who subscribes share us with your friends share us with your family 
please. We would love to. Um, and that's all I got, man. Jonathan. That's all I got. I think you got a little delirious on that last one, though. Why? You mixed you mixed me up and Rex up with both of the oh, shows. Oh, dude, because we're all like one. <laughs> it's just it's just one uh, big. Sometimes thing. it feels like. <laughs> sometimes it feels like I I do it, one show and I just start another one. <laughs> it's just the Trinity, dude. That's it, it. Yeah, it's just right. It one. is. Don't worry about well, it. dude, I've had like a couple of people of us. It's like, dude, are you gonna be like doing a show on your own? I'm like, oh, for the love of Pete. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are already tired of me as it is. I mean, if you subscribe to both shows, you're getting damn near four hours of me every week. (laughs) I can't ask anymore. But you, uh, (laughs) you you getting, you got any more hours in the day over there? Oh, I just got endless hours. And I do, I know that people just want me in their podcast feed from beginning to end. (laughs) Just Just nonstop. It's like, I'm just with you all week. That's what your that's what your solo show should be called, just nonstop John. Oh God bless it. <laughs> just it's just you just snoring into a uh, microphone. <laughs> you wanted nobody. you wanted me twenty four hours a day. You should oh, open up a Twitch stream. Dude. Oh God, just IRL. Oh John, yeah, man. right. Now we've gone too far. <laughs> oh, dadgummit. Well, tell you what, let's close this. Let's close this down, man. That should be it for that should be it for our ramblings for it the is, evening. Right? It is. You guys have been so patient. Love it. Well, this has been Reasonable Fanboys. My name is Ryan. I'm John. You guys have a great one.